This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is Jeff Gobb here at PWG. Tremendous, I don't even know the name of the show, but you're listening to Busted Wide Open. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode 142. That number just keeps getting bigger. My name is Nick Howell. And the reigning, defending, undisputed Riverside County Cruiserweight Champion, (laughs) I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and I've got my cardboard belt around here somewhere. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us, everybody. We have a a bit of a a slower week. After a, a couple of absolute madness weeks with Super Showdown and and Dominion and everything else that was going on, this was a little bit more mellow this week, Nick. Yes. We're building towards stomping grounds for the WWE. We have a few. We have a, we have a ways to go before we get to like we have Fighter Fest coming up. We got the G1 coming up in New Japan. Another takeover for NXT, but we got a little breathing room this week. It's a little breathing room, but doesn't mean there wasn't things that happened. We have a lot to talk about, but before we do that, let's do some housekeeping oh, when we yes. get into the rest of the show. Well, guys, as always, head over to Facebook. Join us in the Busted Wide Open discussion group, and the easiest way to get to all of these is at our new domain, bwopodcast.com. That will take you directly to where all of these links are at. You can absolutely follow us over on uh, Twitter and Instagram, at bwopodcast, right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Busted Wide Open. We do this live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. So be sure and come join us. Subscribe and hit that little notification bell so you're notified every time we come online for a live show or to put up some new content and last but certainly not least if you love what we do and want to support this show it helps pay the bills so we can continue to put on this magnificent live show further Mm. and further into the future Uh, head over to patreon.com slash bwo sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers where you can get access to show notes the ability to ask listener questions that we'll answer right here on the show every single week Uh, bonus episodes some sweet swag all kinds of good stuff. Patreon.com slash BWO. Ian, we didn't really have a lot going on. As you said, it was a slow week this week. So instead of wasting a lot more time, we don't really have any big news. Let's just head over and talk about Monday Night Raw. Well, Monday Night Raw this week, I, I have to say, was... I mean, coming off of... Saudi Arabia coming off of this big trip that they had 
you would have thought they'd be like, all right, we're going to put it now in the fifth gear and go. We're, we've got two weeks to get to stomping grounds. We're just going to we're going to get going here. And I didn't really feel that's what we got. I felt like it was more kind of like, all right, let's just we got some stew going. Yeah. Let's just stir it a little bit and it'll be fine. We're making gumbo. It's all good. No, you, just, you can be patient. Um, <laughs> you know, we it was basically a lot. There was a lot of talking on both shows. There was a lot of video packages and talking. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even though we had a couple of wrestling matches, they were still, they were not really, with a, one, with a couple of notable exceptions, there was nothing that was really, like, propulsive, uh, to use a, a multi-syllable word. It was, I, to, you started off this week with uh, Seth Rollins coming out uh, with his with his battered steel chair that he used to beat the crap out of Brock Lesnar last week. Um, and then you had Corbin coming out saying, well, you know, you're facing me instead of Brock Lesnar. And while it was <laughs> nice to see Corbin get the reaction that he got, which was just, you know, hatred. Oh, and he steered into it as well. He did. And I don't think quite as elegant. Like, people forget how wonderful that there is kind of that legendary uh just heat like the after the post WrestleMania Undertaker versus Roman Reigns Monday after WrestleMania the the, the whatever the seven or eight minute just constant boo session that, that Roman uh withstood how elegantly he handled that and just how smooth he was with that like it was one of his finest moments it's not always easy to handle uh, a crowd that's booing you this hard and you can tell that Corbin is still kind of figuring out the best way to do it. He had moments of doing it well, and he had moments where it, obviously it cracked him up. Yeah. And that's that was the wrong response. Like, handle it the way that Elias handled Seattle or that Roman handled that Monday after WrestleMania. Uh, that being said, it was nice to see Corbin get that response because usually people just kind of go, they just groan, oh, get out of here. Right. So, but unfortunately, I wonder if WWE is going to take the wrong message from that. Oh, see, oh, see, he gets he gets heat, pal. You see, well, we can we can push him to the moon. It's good shit. Not not what you want. Not the kind of uh, no, no, right. So, yeah. So you have uh, you have Corbin coming out, and long story short, uh, you had Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn come out as well. Uh, and they booked a match for later that evening where Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. And uh, long story short, Sami Zayn was a special guest referee. The reason for that was because Baron Corbin had apparently pulled strings backstage. And so his match with Seth Rollins coming up the stomping ground was going to have a referee of his choosing. So now we get into the interesting part. Who's going to be this referee? They teased Sami Zayn by having him referee the match later, be the outside referee. Uh, they also teased in a Paul Heyman segment that the, the referee could be Brock Lesnar. Now, what do you think the best option would be here, Nick? To have someone like a Sami Zayn or an Elias or someone like that be the referee or to have Brock Lesnar actually be the ref? I don't know. I'm fine with Sami or Elias, but Brock introduces too many speculations. Like, what in the hell? Like, you just came... How have they have turned the tables on Brock, I think is what I want to say here. Going from a guy who showed up four or five times a year as champion to a guy who's now a goofball with the beast in the beast box, and now he's going to be a special guest referee? Well, no, I've said that's a possibility. More, yeah. the thing that I'm speculating on is how many times they're going to be able to cry wolf 
and have people still be invested because they, once again, Paul teased, oh, Brock might cash in at any time. You never know. He could cash in. Um, including, you know, now if he were if he were to be the referee, he could cash in then. At some point, people are going to be like, all right, we get it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's going to pay decreasing dividends the more you rub it in people's faces. Um, in addition, I don't think that anyone is... I, I mean, I I don't think they are, but I could be wrong given the reactions that he is getting. But I don't think anyone's terribly excited to see Corbin in this feud with Seth. Do you think that, I mean, who else could Seth be feuding with instead of Corbin? Or is the reason he's feuding with Corbin because he can continue to beat Corbin and it doesn't really do any damage to Corbin and it gives Seth someone to beat? Mm. I, I think it's more Corbin. What you, the last thing you just said, actually, that like we're getting him again. Like we we had him uh, at Super Showdown, we had him on Monday night, and now we're gonna have him again at Stomping Grounds. Like, what is this gonna lead to something, or is this really ultimately all about Brock behind the scenes? What, why? Well, do that's we have, kind of what I'm worried why about. Why do we have Corbin because- in a feud if we're not gonna legitimize him and actually make it feel like he's got a real chance at taking that title off of Seth? Well, and how many times can you say, oh, no, Brock's backstage right now, not show him, have everyone know he's not really there. And if you want to make it about Brock, you you can't, given his schedule. You know, if you're going to have Brock be a special attraction and only come in for big matches, you've got to steer into that and not... It's it's another example of, you know, play into the strengths, hide the weaknesses. If yeah. Brock's big weakness is not being there, don't make a big deal out of it. I mean, too late. They've already made whole storylines about him not being there. But you could easily have him be that big special attraction and, and sell the tickets, uh, j- but just don't make a fuss about it. But it's, right. it's too late. They have. Yeah. So, and the more they kind of create these scenarios that are going to, to hamstring themselves with it, the, the less dividends it will pay off. Hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pity. Um, and I don't know if, if Sammy and, and KO, because they were kind of playing the... Not henchman role. That's Drew McIntyre right now. But they were definitely playing the pot stirrers all week. They got the heaters, the guys that were in there to just, you know, kill time until the big matches happened. They did it with Seth on Monday night. They did it with New Day on Tuesday night. Um, is this a good position for Ke- – like, are we just glad they're there being role players? Or is this – is it kind of a, a, a demotion for them? If, are you referring to Corbin? I'm referring to Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn now. Oh, and their role in all this. So that was a big surprise. Like all of a sudden, you know, if, if he's going to be the special outside referee, and then Kevin Owens shows up in the whole thing, and I, I'm just I'm, I I couldn't I had a hard time. I'm going to admit keeping up this week with all of the different people that were getting inserted to this. It felt like a mess, and I don't yeah. know. I, I I would love to see just a legitimate Seth and Corbin feud. Let him run, let it run its course. Okay, fine. Maybe Brock's going to cash in. We don't need all the teasing constantly like that. But I, I don't know, man. Inserting Sammy into this, inserting Kevin into this, it's just it's. What did we say about all the women's feud at the beginning of the year? It's getting overbooked. But at the same time, I like the fact that they're using some more people on the roster. They're they're trying to branch out from just having it be you know a feud between two or three people. Now there's a bunch of other people in it, so there that is the upside. Um, yeah. The downside is is that it does feel like spinning wheels before we get the thing that we actually want, including the Corbin feud. No one thinks that's, that Corbin can actually beat Seth, um, and I don't think anyone thinks that he should beat Seth. I don't think we want Corbin as your universal champion. It, it smells a little Jinder Mahali. Uh, 
you know, not maybe not apples for apples, but you know what I'm saying. Like it doesn't. Do. That's not that is not the direction you want to take your company. Um, so, and and no disrespect to Corbin, that's just his role right now. Is yeah. that that's that he shouldn't be the champ at the level he's at at the 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 way he's perceived. Um, it would definitely be a downgrade for the title, and you have plenty of other options to put that title on. Yeah, and they're so, going to continue to introduce new ones with Sammy and Kevin around, circling this drain. So I right, uh, I, I, I was kind of okay so, with it being Seth and Corbin with Brock circling, and now it just got a little bit more complicated or interesting, depending on your perspective. Well, I'm going to go back to the idea of Brock being the referee for this match. I think that is an intriguing idea because then at least he's present and that threat is made real. And that becomes an interesting dynamic for the match, which otherwise, we've seen this match. And that's another theme we're going to get back to is we've seen this match. We've seen Seth versus Corbin. We know Corbin cannot beat Seth one-on-one. -on -one. I don't care if it's a ref thing or what it is. Um, you know, John Cone gets in Corbin's face. Okay, well, Seth is going to beat him anyway. It's fine. We know that. Having Brock be an extra element in this, now all of a sudden there's some intrigue because Brock, especially as a ref, as referee Brock, uh, that's, I mean, that makes it a, a big uphill climb for Seth. It puts a lot more stakes in there. It gives you a couple of different options as to what could happen yeah. um, as far as at the end of the match. It, it makes you speculate. It, and, I, and frankly, if you had stomping grounds tomorrow and you announced Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin with Brock Lesnar as the special guest referee, I genuinely would have no idea of the outcome of that match. So that unpredictability is intriguing to me. Um, but if you just have Seth versus Baron, special guest referee unannounced or special guest referee Sami Zayn, I'm way less invested. I'm way less interested. Because so that, that seems more like an obvious out. The whole setup here was that John Cone was playing favorites, so he needed somebody watching his back. Is that what you, was that your read on this whole thing? When? No, at the beginning, the, the reason that they were oh, redoing the whole match was because John Cone, whatever. Right? I, I'm sorry, you're asking me to explain WWE writers' logic. <laughs> hold, hold on, hold on, Nick. Oh, let me get my abacus. We can figure this out. No problem. No, I don't. I don't freaking know, dude. Corbin was mad that John Cone screwed him at Super Showdown. Right. So now we have special guest. All right, that's it. Uh, you mentioned the women's feud. Let's go over and talk about the women. We had okay. a match tonight: Alexa Bliss and Lacey Evans versus Bailey and Becky. Because why not? Uh, we've got some feuds going on. Alexa Bliss obviously has a match against Bailey at Stomping Grounds. Becky has a match against Lacey Evans because why not? Uh, you know, we, we left her with the raw title and apparently Lacey's the only woman they really care about over there now. Uh, well, Alexa Bliss, but she's over going to SmackDown because she's also blonde. So what was the idea here? Two, twofold. Why have this tag match? Was this just a wild card situation to try and drive both of these feuds? And what is going on with Nikki Cross and Alexa? Because Alexa's kind of doing the same thing she used to do to like Mickey James and Nia Jax where she would, you know, tell her one thing, but it was all manipulation to get her to do stuff for her. Are we going back to that old trope or is there something more at, at work here? Yeah, that's going to play. It's going to be interesting how that plays out because I still haven't gotten a read on what Nikki Cross is actually doing in this at all. And I don't even know if they know what Nikki Cross is because right. because she used to be crazy. Nikki Cross couldn't play with Nikki. And now she's just, oh, Alexa, I'm very... I'm very soft-spoken. 
and I'm, I'm just going to stand here and look at you with big puppy eyes and like, you're so beautiful. I just, oh, thank you, Alexa, for letting me be within five feet of you. Hmm. I'm Nikki. I'm no longer interesting. That's pretty much where she's at. To yeah. me, I don't know. I don't know if they even know where this is going. She was a very interesting character to me as the psycho miniature female part of sanity. I don't find her that interesting anymore. Right. They've, they've cut the legs out from underneath her. And we're going to talk more about that on SmackDown with both her and Ember Moon, who both had intriguing characters that, you know, were not necessarily super defined, but they were defined enough for us to find them intriguing. And now they're just very flat and it's just in their presentation. And I'm not sure what the, the, the logic was if because I am always nervous about WWE playing a long game with characters because they've got a horrible track record of just kind of uh, forgetting about what their plan was after a certain time. Like, well, we were going to do this, but now what were we doing again? And I feel I fear that's what's happening with Nikki. And it says something, by the way, that we're sitting here focusing on Nikki and her character and not on the fact that Alexa Bliss and Bailey and Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans had a match because that was ultimately just Hey, we all have we have two championship matches coming up. It's a tag team match, and that was that was pretty much all there was. Okay, <laughs> and Bailey got pinned. Bailey got pinned in her hometown because that's just what that's how it works. Yeah. So, I um, I, I really don't understand what's happening right now. Uh, this and then we had this whole thing where they did a side by side backstage split interview with Lacey and Becky and. Uh, oh. I'm, I'm trying not to over-complain. It's been hard over the last few months, <laughs> probably since Mania. It, it's, it's been really hard to try and, and stay positive. But we're trying. We're trying. There has, there, has been, there has definitely been some bright spots, but there has been some stuff that's incomprehensible and short-sighted, and it seems like they're, they're trying to catch up with themselves. Yeah. Um, and they're they're filling time week to week. For example, like we could have had, like we had the sit down interview with Becky and Lacey to try and get some heat between them. It was it was fine, you know, but it wasn't really outstanding. No. We had this match, which didn't really really establish anything that we didn't already know between all of these characters. Lacey looked like a monster. She KO'd Becky outside the ring and pinned Bailey. And Alexa looked like a little weasel, who by the way still isn't taking bumps. She took absolutely zero backdrops. Uh, back bumps in this match although she did for some reason take a suplex into the corner where she bonked her head on the middle turnbuckle yep so i'm already worried about alexa and her ability to wrestle in turn like like injury wise not just not not just technique injury wise and when i see them protecting her from taking back bumps but then give her a spot like that i'm like what are you whoa what are you doing yeah so yeah, I'm, I'm, that's, it, it was bizarre, and I wonder how that will translate into her match with Bailey, which I'm also nervous about, and I think a lot of people are, because there is a very, very mm, sordid history between Miss Bliss and Bailey. Yeah. Kendo stick in a pole, anybody? So, so, sordid is, is an interesting word to use. Um, Terabad is, is kind of what I would, I would get lean towards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the kendo stick on a pole thing, and Bailey, this is your life. That's that's not. Is this what we're really leading towards again? Dark. Well, no, they're not. I mean, that's the thing. Bailey is looking much stronger in this feud. 
Um, Alexa is looking more like the conniving weasel, but not like she's smarter than Bailey, and not like she's a better wrestler than Bailey, which is something yeah. that was established last time. Was that she beat Bailey, Bailey mentally and physically in their last feud? Yeah. So the fact that they're at least starting this off with Bailey looking a little more dominant, even though Lacey did pin her. You know, Bailey got one back on SmackDown, uh, and Alexa looks a little bit more like the little weasel who's hiding behind people. So, bit of a better dynamic this time. Um, but dynamics that people are not liking. Shane McMahon and his goon, Drew McIntyre, uh, they came out to basically have a Shane and Drew appreciation party, which got booed and chance of boring uh, as Shane monologued on the microphone. And then ultimately, they introduced the Revival and said, hey, if you guys win the tag titles tonight in your three-way match against the Usos and the current champions, Hawkins and Ryder, uh, you guys can join our party tonight. We'll, we'll go gl- chug some champagne out of the World Cup trophy, the best in the world World Cup trophy, all that kind of stuff. We'll do all that if you guys go become champions. And then we had a, the three-way tag match. Um, Drew McIntyre as Shane's lackey. What do you think? Does he still seem fearsome? Does it, is this a good look for Drew or is this a bad position for him? I can't. Was it Raw or SmackDown where he came out in the leather jacket with his hair pulled back? And that, now, that would be Raw. Yeah, that we're not getting raw. the trench coat yes. and the wet hair <laughs> and the psych. He's not a psychopath we got, anymore. We he's, got that on SmackDown. We got the the psychopath leather trench coat on Monday Night Raw. We got the he almost looks like present presentable, like oh sweet little Drew McIntyre. Like pick on one Monday Night Raw. And stick with it. You know, it's <laughs> the the inconsistency is is mind numbing right there. Uh, I, I, I'm all for experimenting and trying something, but stick with it. Pick one. You've, you've picked one. Stick with it. I don't like him as Shane's goon. I think he deserves much better. I think it's inevitable he'll get it. It's not if, it's when. He will get that title shot and probably be back and forth and keep it for a while. He, he's the chosen one. Let's, let's not forget. My problem here is, though, He's already done one of these with Dolph Ziggler last year. A year ago. At this point, a year ago, Dolph Ziggler came back and Drew, Drew McIntyre came back. Okay. So I, why are we doing this again, having Drew being yet another goon, yet another henchman, in what seems like a, the only benefit is it's Shane this time at the, at the top. Messing around with Miz, messing around with Roman. You know, I, is it good for him for exposure? Sure, but he's been there since he debuted. He doesn't need to be a goon. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, I think it's diminishing to him. I think yeah. that Drew has so much more potential. I think that in this role, it does make him seem less. And that's for a guy, as you said, like him, we've been high on him for a while. We, we've said he could be the next guy. But this is hurting his long-term possibilities it's diminishing people's perceptions of him. It's not, it's not making him a better character. It's, it's doing nothing for him. In fact, I'd say that uh, here's the thing. It's not doing anything for Shane either. Let's be clear right. here. Shane McMahon is a wildly entertaining guy. He has put on matches that have entertained people for decades. He can be a wonderful face. He can be a smarmy heel. Somehow... They have made people not want to watch him. Somehow they have made Shane McMahon not entertaining. And they've made people chant boring at him. I Think about that. Step outside from how you feel about Shane McMahon right now. And think about how many times in Shane McMahon's career 
you have been this unentertained by him. And then stick him next to guys who are wildly entertaining, like Elias, Drew McIntyre, The Revival, and it's all of them are entering this miasma of being, for, to steal the word from the crowd, a bit boring. Yeah, mired that's in shame. That's terrifying. Yeah. That's terrifying. And that's, I'm wondering how this is not getting over because on paper, this all should be working really well. Shane McMahon can, like, this is like, you know, this idea of him having a faction, right? All these guys circling him. Having them, if you had them more unified or whatever, this could be another major heel authority faction with Shane as the head. And that's a good look. Fact, it's a good looking faction. Drew McIntyre, the revival, possibly the B team. They were involved at one point. Uh, Elias, you can get Lashley back involved with it. You have all those guys come out as a as a big old heel faction, and just there's always one of them running down the faces, and they, they've been kind of playing at that, where there's like a, a crew of faces, and they face someone from Shane McMahon's little crew. That's a lot of TV that you could take up time with, and that could be really entertaining with these guys involved. And yet here we are, and the crowd is chanting, boring. With all of those I, guys out there. With all of those guys. With all of those guys. They're being bored by Shane McMahon, which is something I never thought I'd see. Yeah. No, I, so, me, me either, honestly. Especially, I always thought Shane was the least interesting of all of them, frankly. But I thought the, the effort here, what I read into it was, no, no, let's encapsulate Shane with all of these people that are beloved by the WWE Universe. Drew McIntyre, right? Roman Reigns, well, I loosely say Roman Reigns. The Miz, The Revival. Let's, let's, let's encase Shane in that protective barrier and make him the, the center of every... That was my take on what they're up to here. It's interesting to hear you kind of say it the opposite way uh, because I hadn't really thought about it like that yet. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, hmm. it's... I don't know. I don't, and I don't know what the easy fix is. It's, there's something fundamental that's going on that's wrong here. But uh, let's move on to that tag match that we mentioned. The Revival mm -hmm. did have this match, and uh, it wasn't. Look at these teams. It was very entertaining match. And um, a bit of a surprising finish. Not terribly surprising considering that Hawkins and Ryder have had those belts since WrestleMania. They defended it once the day after WrestleMania and have basically been off TV ever since. And as, a, as an unsurprising result, the, re the Revival ended up picking up a sneaky victory and winning the belts. And Hawkins and Ryder can now go back to main event or catering or wherever they want to go. Right. Poor, poor guys. Poor guys. And they even cut a promo before this match about how dreams do come true and it's a Cinderella story and all this stuff. And <laughs> Sorry, guys. You're losing the match. Uh, Kurt Hawkins lost 173. Was it 200. Two, two seven, two, 273 yeah. matches in a row. He's amazing. Uh, <laughs> Jeez, so this was so that was sad. It was a, it was a bit uh, that was to me it, it, it was it spoke to how bad the tag team division was. Is that you finally had these exciting champs, uh, Cinderella story, all that tons to work with there. Nope, they're just going to sit on the shelf until oh well we have to start something with the revival and the Usos because we can't just keep having the matches having them have matches with no titles involved. Um, but you know at the end of the day, Nick, the revival had the titles. I think this is Are the best case scenario. Okay. Uh, I, I, let's have the titles on the top guys, right? Whether it's Usos <laughs> or Revival, let's no pun intended. Well, pun intended, I, I should say. Pun intended. <laughs> let's have the titles on the top guys, 
Let's have it on Revival. Let's have it on Usos because then if you've got them on the top guys, then they can chase. The other teams can chase. You can introduce AOP. Hell, throw B team back in there for all it's worth. Uh, I think it, they're SmackDown now. Okay, fine. I, I can't keep up anymore, wild card. You're a genius. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> it's such good shit. Uh, but uh, but I like the belt. The reason I don't like the belts on mid card or lower mid card teams like they were is because you don't really give a shit. When you have the belts on the top guys, it brings in that essence of opportunity for the younger underdog guys to chase. And I miss that. And I think that's what's been wrong with the tag division for a long time. Even when they were on the Bludgeon Brothers, as, as bad as it hurts me to say that, you still had those teams that were just trying to knock them down. And I like yeah. that. I like that in my tag team wrestling. I like the you know insurmountability of having the top guys with the belts and and those guys you know having having usos having revival maybe we get an aop back since we saw them at that super showdown they're apparently um, yeah they're active yeah so, so i i'm excited I, I think it was the right move you could have put it on either one of them and i would have said the exact same thing yeah but i think but we're gonna see a uh, revival and usos feud going forward great let them have some more stakes let those teams work um and you've got a ton of tag teams on raw let's see them all get in the mix now that, that would be nice. Let's, it's, a, it's a good start. Let's just see if they can pay it forward. Right. Um, speaking of a good start, the U.S. title is now on Samoa Joe after Ray had to be out with a shoulder injury. And basically everyone in the mid card now wants that title. You had, uh, uh, we had a three-on-three -three match. Braun Strowman, The Miz, and Ricochet versus Cesaro, Samoa Joe, and Bobby Lashley. Um... Did you feel like this is going to be heading towards another title scramble, kind of like we had with the four-way on SmackDown before WrestleMania with Joe? God, I hope uh, so. Because with those six guys all you know, bouncing off each other for the U.S. title, that sounds delicious mm -hmm. to me. I'm percolating. Like any, any combination of those guys trying to get one up on each other, and then Joe is just sitting back there with the U.S. title like, come and get me. Hell yes. Six-man ladder match for the U.S. title at uh, SummerSlam? What? Uh, 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 Nick, don't do that to me. Come on, man. You know I have a, a sensitive heart. Uh, that would be great. Yeah. But let's, let's mark this moment. Let's mark this moment when you have that as a possibility, when it would be so easy to build towards that, to having all six of these extremely talented guys and and by the way, a good mix of different guys too. This could these six guys could be a money in the bank match and it oh, would yeah. be money. It would be oh. absolutely amazing. Wasn't it basically the money in the bank match though if I'm thinking about <laughs> it? <correctly? laughs> it kind of was. Yeah. But but that's what I'm saying is like any combination of these guys. You any combination of these guys in pairs, tr uh, triplicate, four, whatever would be a good feud. Kind of in the style that we had on SmackDown with uh, Andrade Cien Almas, Ricochet, R-Truth, and Joe. Ugh. But it's just a matter of pulling the trigger on it. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing more Strowman and Lashley doing their thing. I liked their their big hoss match. Um, you know, like I think I think we said that like if we had another Strowman, uh, Roman Reigns style feud where it's just two big dudes who are strong as hell doing these incredible strength moves on each other, that's entertaining. That's fun. Um but again, any any combination here, as long as the, like they use these guys, yes. this is six guys that like I'm gl great. Use them all. Um, 
don't let one of these guys fall by the wayside. Oh, well, you know, we're just going to use Joe and, and Ricochet and then Cesaro and Miz and Strowman can go hang out on the side. I, I have one request. Of we, me? Uh, of WWE. Because they listen. We know they listen. So I, I have <laughs> yes, one do. simple, small request to make. Can okay. I please have Ricochet and Andrade? <gasps> yeah, that's can we please I like figure that? out how to get a title onto Andrade so that Ricochet can pursue him as the plucky underdog babyface? Well, they might be happening on please. SmackDown right now. I, it might be happening on SmackDown right now. I, I would love to see Ricochet get the U.S. title at some point and have people chase him, let him have a whole lot of matches with other people because he can work with anybody and it always looks good. Um, he and Cesaro, I loved their feud. I wish they had done more with that. Uh, kind of how you know Cesaro and and um, Sheamus had their their like what was it the best of seven um, or first of seven or whatever it was with, with like started off the bar it was the beginning of the bar where Mick Foley was the commissioner and he said you guys need to work your crap out so we're gonna have a series of matches and whoever wins more of them um, wins the, right. it's like a mini tournament yeah having Ricochet and Cesaro have that give it some stakes that would be fun as hell oh yeah oh but God, anyway yeah. but. We, we digress. Uh, I think I digress, Nick, because the next topic is Lars Sullivan and the Lucha House Party. Uh, it was we, an elimination this match, match this time. before to continue the trope, right? Well, before it was like a tag team match. This is an elimination match where he has to beat them one at a time. Honestly, dude, whoop-de-doo. Whoop-de-freaking-doo at this point. The crowd didn't care. I didn't care. I, I'm sick of the whole thing. The Lucha House Party gimmick is starting to piss me off where like at first it was fun and now to me it's just it's grating um, with them throwing candy to the audience and they all have uh, pinatas. Even if, you know, one of them gets slammed on the pinatas when they're on the top of the stairs during this match and it's an entertaining spot. Um, it makes me wince a little bit every time. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe it's me living in Southern California and being like, oh, they're just being so stereotypical right now. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. is this Latino New Day? Is that what they're trying to do? Or they, did they see that throwing stuff into the audience worked with pancakes and yeah? But the stuff? problem is, is that New Day can talk, yeah. and New Day's charisma is what got them over, not the fact that there was three of them in shiny clothes. Um, and these three guys can get over by their by their work rate, by their ability to do moves, and their and their incredible lucha skills. Grand Metalik is, I think, probably the most talented guy who's used the least. Mm, Chad Gable. Uh, on on the entire roster, like people do not understand how insanely talented Grand Metalik is, and for that matter, Lince Dorado. Yeah, um, and they might have some idea about Kalisto, but none of them have been let off the leash any time recently. Well, like, I mean, they so, put the title on Kalisto over on Two Hundred Five Live, the cruiserweight title, so they they're aware of him. He's been around long enough. But I mean, Metalik they put and, it on him when and it Lince, they, they, those guys are nuts. And if they turned them loose, holy smokes! I think it was a mistake to bring him up to the main roster. We, how many times have we said that trope before? Well, you know, but I, I, it frustrates me. I want to see them get more. I want to see them get better. And I, and frankly, they've also misused Lars, in my opinion. Like, take all of the controversy away from him, and remember what he was back in NXT with the silhouette and just the the looming. Pre he wasn't like jumping around and screaming. You know, he wasn't like yelling and all that. He was just standing there looking. Like like the thing, like Ben Grimm from Fantastic Four, to kind of paraphrase Mauro Ranallo, he's a Jack Kirby drawing, right? He just looks like a big stone troll. But now that he's, you know, 
screaming and yelling and carrying on in the main roster, it's it doesn't work for him. Yeah. Um, and he, he also feels less intimidating as a result. Having him beat up three luchadors does not make him intimidating. No. And it's not working. And I think, I think the audience has completely turned off by it as well. And I suspect most of them don't even know about the controversy. They just, it's not connecting. And that's really the problem here. I mean, is, doing it one time was fine. I'm, I'm okay with a big hoss monster dude coming out and beating up a bunch of little dudes. I don't need to see it 27 times. Right. Yeah, and this it's getting it's so, it's getting so redundant at this point, and it's it's not helping anybody. Yeah. Uh, speaking of redundant, the Iconics had a they actually had a tag match. Nick, they actually defended their championships. Now, granted, they defended them against a couple of local jobbers, but it was still they defended their championships. So that must not that must not have been on TV. That must have been on or not not on the Hulu version. <laughs> yes, Nick, you're on you're, your own here, sir. <laughs> so okay, well. Uh, that's pretty much all there was. The Iconics faced a couple of local talent, and uh, they won. So okay. I think uh, maybe they're trying to rehab the titles and remind people that, hey, yes, they're tag team champions. Hey, yes, they do beat people. Um, we're going to start having some tag team matches against them soon. So just, hey, remember that they're there. Uh, they also reminded us that the 24-7 title existed because our truth got stuck in an elevator with every low-to-mid-card guy that there was. And after escaping with his title, it was... Uh, he, he's still the champ, but another another near near one for our truth and the twenty four seven title. Um, it's it's still entertaining, but I wonder if they should differentiate between online content and TV content because this was kind of both. Um, and some of the TV content, I think they should get more extravagant with, and the online content can be kind of more of the the crazy kooky pinning Jinder Mahal on a plane, that kind of thing. Yeah. That was, you know what I mean? that was that was the but best like, part of Super Showdown, by the way. But was they weren't even in Saudi Arabia, and it was the best part, right? Um, but they could do as we have been saying, go buck wild with it. Like this is that was pretty. That was a pretty good idea. Was having a big scrum in an elevator, and they had a pretty good idea on SmackDown too with it, which we'll get yeah. to in a sec. That one I'm actually more excited to talk about, but I'll save it till we get there. Yeah, but I mean, and they're it's it's they're being creative. Get more creative. Like, take off the chains. Take off the reins. Go nuts. Go nuts. Yep. So, um, yeah, we actually just had uh, Brad Shepard just said just said this and reminded me in the chat. Uh, Carmella could eventually pin Truth for the twenty four seven championship and mean that it's uh, intergender, which I think they should do. I agree. Because at some point, just have Carmella be like, "Screw it, I'm gonna I'm gonna pin him for it." I thought. Well, I'm gonna save what I want to say till we get to SmackDown here in a minute. So, uh, the last thing we need to talk about, though, we cannot get out of this without talking about what I consider to uh, be what might be one of the better Firefly Funhouse. Firefly Funhouse. Come on, Sasha. <laughs> Come on, Firefly Funhouse episodes uh, that we had this week. Um, we went a little dark this week. <laughs> oh my goodness! Hello. Uh, we mentioned bright spots on this show. This was the brightest of spots for me because. They've, they've finally, for everyone who was worried about Bray Wyatt being Mr. Rogers, all right, he has officially defined it for you. Yeah. This is like Tim Burton, Mr. Rogers. This is a dark and twisted world with a happy little facade over the, over the top. Uh, this week he caught Directed Ramblin' Rabbit. Directed by John Rabbit. Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week he caught Ramblin' Rabbit and Mercy the Buzzard having another fight because Mercy wanted to eat Ramblin' Rabbit. And, uh, but so Ramblin' was bonking Mercy on the head. So Bray decided to take his little heel and hurt gloves and and weigh the options as to who was gonna uh, 
he was going how how to figure out this situation and it looked like Ramblin' Rabbit was going to get uh it was going to be okay the heel the heel hand uh gave Ramblin' Rabbit the stage so Ramblin' Rabbit could say whatever he wanted to so he did uh unfortunately what he said was that he was starting to get weirded out by everything going on in the funhouse and he thought he might have to expose what was going on at the funhouse and for his troubles Bray Wyatt asked, why would you do that? And came out in a clown nose and a couple little, like, the crow vertical lines over his eyes. Grabbed an enormous mallet with the face of the Fiend character on it and smashed Ramblin' Rabbit into jelly, which he then ate, which Bray then ate and said, mmm, it's delicious, and is now putting out a line of, of Ramblin' Rabbit jam. Preserves. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, my um, goodness. Not gonna lie, Kind of want one for my kitchen. Just saying. Bray, call us. <laughs> I mean, I want um, that as a prop uh, for the set back here. Do you? So no. Obviously, we've said this every week. You know, time will tell. Wait and see once we get into the ring with this whole thing. Um, at this point, like, are, are we convinced that Bray has hit this out of the park at least conceptually, in terms of what the world he's built here? Oh yeah. It's easy to do that when you're doing like pre-recorded and post-produced stuff. Let's see what happens when he walks out of Gorilla for the first time, well, or or whatever set he's on, or or whatever. I like we went here, like we stepped over a line this week, in my opinion. Like we went, we went. Who said it in the chat? Uh, Brad Shepard said, "Dark hell, that's downright evil." Yeah, damn straight. And I kind of went, oh, my God, did they really just do that on TV? <laughs> uh, that's like uh, pushing, you know, PG-13 kind of stuff. When you do it, you know, you, are kids really watching this? You just smashed a puppet and ate its goo? Its innards. Oh. Yeah. But it, that's the thing is it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's dark, it's disturbing, but it's not gory. It's not really – it's just one of those things that will get under your jelly. skin. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's why they go to black and white whenever they have old footage that has blood in it. Oh, you know what I mean? It's, you yeah. get around. You get around these things. Um, so I think I, I obviously I think we both think it's a ten out of ten. Bray has knocked this concept out of the park, but it's still a wait and see until this actually gets integrated into wrestling. We've got the entertainment part of it. Can you make this sports as well? Do you think this uh, is another um, dual personality gimmick thing? Ultimately, the way it ends up, where we uh, like Finn Balor and the Demon, is are they trying to do another one or a different version of it here for ultimately the same purpose? Where you know you can't get over, but so you bring out the Fiend to to ultimately win the match, and the Fiend never gets beaten for the foreseeable I'm, future. I'm going to be very disappointed if they nail the Fiend in the way that they should have done Finn Balor's Demon in the first place. Mm. That's gonna frustrate the hell out of me. Yeah. If I'm, if at the end of the day I'm like, wow, they really nailed it with the fiend. Gosh, I wish that they had let Finn do that with his demon character, and the demon just comes out whenever, you know, whenever it seems convenient for the plot sure. for him to do it. Sure. Um, and honestly, I'm always a little nervous about Jekyll and Hyde wrestling characters because yeah. it's really hard to pull off effectively. Yeah, it's real it, hard. That's the thing. Uh, he, but here's the thing: the company has to support him. He pulled off the Bray Wyatt gimmick in the first place. The you know the the kind of um, Waylon Mercy character. He pulled that off, but the company didn't support it with letting him freaking win. The Undertaker would have ended up as nothing more than 
a, a blip on in the gimmick era if they hadn't pushed him the way they pushed him. I mean, granted, yes, a lot of it was the performer. Um, oh, man, Velveteen Dream in his tweets this week. He, he had some about whether it's the performer or creative's fault if you get over. Ooh, we'll get into that later. Um, yes, it is definitely his presence, his ability uh, in the ring. But if The Undertaker had never been allowed to win, he would not be The Undertaker that we know today. He would have been done. So, yeah, we've said this many times. We'll say it again now. But Nick, we got a lot more show to get to. Well, hang on. So I got one more thing. I want to. I want to. Hang on. The Firefly Funhouse thing. Let's go. S- speculative Nick, what question. Like? What's, what's going on? Yes. We've already resurrected Ramblin' Rabbit after Mercy ate the stuffing out of him. Does Ramblin' Rabbit continue to oh, come yes. back even though Bray <laughs> has squashed the guts out of him? Like I love how kill. invested you are in this. I think that would be that'd be great. Yeah, he just keeps bringing him back. He keeps, he keeps resurrecting back. him. Yeah, he keeps <laughs> killing him. He keeps killing Ramblin'. Like that could be a trope. He keeps yeah. killing Ramblin' Rabbit in horrific ways, and Rabbit keeps coming back. Maybe he gets more and more evil each time, or something. I don't know. Oh, who cares? Just I mean, again, we already know that he's kind of a rat, and he wants to you know rat out what's really going on there. Yeah. Uh, so the more you abuse him, the more that makes sense. So. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Nick, let's head over and talk about SmackDown Live. Well, this week on SmackDown Live, uh, we start off with Ms. TV. No, wait. It wasn't Ms. TV. Or it was, but he came out and he had a script that he, was he had forced. to read. That he, was he was forced, forced to do Ms. To TV. Read from the pest, the breast, the pest, <laughs> the, breast. The, pest the pest in the world. The world. Shane McMahon. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I, so, you know, B-Bosh said this in the chat a second ago, and I agree with him. I am still so weirded out by Shane as a face. But the difference is, for me, it, it does work. He's got that baby face fire to him. I still, like, he comes out to do the Miz TV thing, and I'm like, oh, this smarmy bastard. And then I'm like, oh, wait, right, he's a face. Ah, damn, I forgot. Um, but then he starts doing his stuff and acting like a kind of face that I want to cheer and he's really good at it. You know what I mean? Like I def, I wanted to cheer him in this segment where he opened up his, whatever his weird, you know, top coat thing that he wears and underneath. He had a shirt with his dad on it with the fists up saying current mood. Um, <laughs> and you know, you had Shane come out and, and drew and Elias and they all talked smack to Miz and eventually got him riled up and he got in all their faces and it felt like baby face fire. You know, it, 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 Absolutely, he fits that mold. It's just weird because we've seen him be a heel for so many years that it's just kind of ingrained in us. It's muscle memory to just see him and go, boo, boo this man. What, what? Oh, he's a good guy? Uh, yay? Yeah. Yay, Miz. Yay, Miz. And uh, they gave him a great, you know, babyface underdog fight against the odds uh, premise where Shane says, you want to get your hands on me? You want to you want to kick my ass? Well, you got to go through my goons first. You got to beat Elias, and then you got to beat Drew, and then you can get me. And Miz just you know was like, "Cool, let's bring it." That's good babyface stuff. And frankly, on paper, that's I think that's good writing. Yeah, that's that's something we haven't seen in a while, or, or that I can remember really, is get through the gauntlet to get to the bad guy. Kofi getting and his it, opportunity. Uh, yeah, but that wasn't like he had to get to the guy at the end. He wasn't like he had to get through the gauntlet to get to the one guy at the end. It was get through the whole gauntlet for an opportunity. Yeah. So similar, similar, yeah. 
But this one seemed to have more immediate uh, emotional attachment, I guess. Uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm splitting hairs. But I liked this. I liked this con- conceptually, even though, once again, Shane, for whatever reason, felt like he just sucked the air out of the room. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, was, it was Miz and Drew kind of getting face-to-face. And um, even Elias seemed like really kind of low-key here. Like just what, what there was, there's no electricity. There's no energy going on with with Shane and the crew right now, and I can't put my damn finger on it. You know what I mean? Like, yes, he's overexposed, but that's never been a problem for Shane before. Yeah. So um, yeah, again, uh, I liked I liked how this was set up. I liked the idea here. Something was missing. What do you think it just, was? Roman Reigns. I. Oh, Nick, how dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Uh, we no, actually got we all we, Miz we, still he was, came he in and attacked him even though we lost. So what's what's your take on that? Well, so yeah, the, obviously Miz beats Elias. Uh, you have Drew beat Miz, and then Miz is laid out in the ring. Shane Shane goes, well, we're having the match anyway, and Shane and Miz have a quote unquote match, even though Miz is destroyed. Uh, ha- fights back a little bit, almost gives Shane the uh, st- skull crushing finale, but Shane gets him in the triangle, chokes him out, and that's that. Um, so Miz is now, is, I, I wonder if Miz is just kind of a holdover, uh, until Roman comes back. Roman was off TV this week, which by the way, I think should have been more, more notable, uh, was that Roman was out. It wasn't that he was injured. He just wasn't there. Yeah. Which was odd. Very odd. Not just cause like we assume Roman's going to get pushed. He's always going to be there, but because that's what they do with Roman Reigns is they always have him there. So I'm kind of like tentatively like, mm, wh- why, what was that about? Or is it just, you know, the man needed a damn vacation? So, yeah. but I'm not sure if, yeah, I, I'm not sure if Miz continues with this feud or if he's too busy with the, with the uh, U.S. belt on Monday Night Raw. Um, it's too bad because I like the fact that they continuously refer back to Miz's history with Shane. This goes back to what we were saying on Monday Night Raw which was the idea that there's all of the good guys, all of the bad guys, the bad guys are in a stable, and they kind of bounce off all the good guys in turn, right? Yeah. So there's always something active going on. There's never like, but th- because it gives it more history, right? You, Miz has history with Shane. Now Roman has history with Shane. You can have all these different people that will have history with the different, like Shane is going to have some beef with these guys, or sorry, uh, Seth, excuse me. So it creates more of a web of history to, to build many feuds off of. You could have this half an hour segment have happen tonight because you had history between Miz and Shane. Yeah. So you can continue to build that forward, which I think is that's you can always fall back good. to it down a year right. from now, right? I, conceptually, that's yeah, good. That's yeah. the right idea, but the execution's lacking somewhere, and I'm having a hard time putting my finger on where. And I think it's I don't know if it's just that Shane's talking too much and they're not giving him enough things to say. There's not enough electricity and excitement going on. They're they're all just coming out and talking, and there's not. You know, a big boom, jump out of the screen moment. Yeah. That's, I, I, that's the only thing I can think of so far. What I like about this is what I was kind of just getting ready to, to allude to was that a year from now, we can come back to this and it'll be a big, big oh my God, it's still going on. They're still mad at each other. They still hate it. But if they continue to do this week after week after week after week and throw it in, we're just going to get bored of it. There's got to be a break in there somewhere for several months where I thought Shane shifting over to Roman was probably a better idea to leave Miz out of it, but we're throwing him right back in with Miz. 
It, it made me wonder if Roman's off a week. Is he? Does he need a treatment? Did he have to go get a checkup for his stuff? I, I don't know. But we or don't just really, you know, or did he just need love, a week we, off after Jetta? We love you, Roman. You get a vacation. Everyone else, keep working. Yeah, <laughs> that's you know that's possible. Here's your giant contract. Everybody else, go back to work. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I, I I like the idea. This is long term booking in a nutshell, and what they're doing with Shane by setting up these storylines is we'll be able to call back to him. Just like we've seen Triple H this year call back to Evolution twice, right? From 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I think we're going to be able to have this this moment between Shane and Mr. Pat- I mean Mrs. Dad uh, we'll be able hey. to call back. <laughs> we'll be able to call back to this in a few years when Miz has a title and Shane I'll comes I'll out. I'll and I'll goes, Ms. Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Yep. Bingo. Yep. Yeah, I, I do like the I do like the history. That being said, Miz needs to stop doing rope spots. It's, oh God, he's yeah. 0 for three. Yeah, yeah, he's no. 0 for three. Stay, stay off the turnbuckles, please. Love you, Miz. You're not you're not a flyer. <laughs> I, I know you're I know you're babyface now. You you love to brag when you were a heel about your safe style. You, you Don't and Seth change, have buddy. been hanging out a little bit, but and I know, but that doesn't make you <laughs> able to do a frog splash, my friend. Right, just because you're on the on the on Monday night with Ricochet now does not mean that you can do Ricochet things. No. All right, it's you're not that athletic. <laughs> just, just don't. You're you're good on the mic. Ricochet's good in the ring. All right, know your role. <laughs> just get in there and throw those Daniel Bryan kicks. Uh, we also had. Heavy Machinery, your boys, Heavy Machinery, speaking of Daniel Bryan, they came out because Daniel Bryan and Rowan were about to have a quote-unquote title unification match between their tag team championships, their SmackDown tag team championships, and the uh, hmm, the quote-unquote YOLO County tag team champions. San Jose's um, own. <laughs> yeah. Or Sacramento, I should say. Sacramento's own. Well, so this is funny. If you guys don't know the geography of Sacramento here in uh, sunny California, Sacramento County has, I think, one and a half million people. Yolo County is to the west of Sacramento. Most of, like, Sacramento's suburbs kind of spread out to the east. Uh, Yolo County is the county that makes Sacramento known as a cow town. It's farms. It's all farms. There's 200,000 people in Yolo County, which is five times the size of Sacramento County, geographically, but Sacramento County has like 1.5 million people, and it's tiny compared to Yolo County. So that's why this is funny, is people in Sacramento would be like, oh, for crying out loud, these hicks are going to come in and be our tag team champions. Oh, God, get out of here. Boo! It was a nice little in-joke, I thought. Yeah. Uh, But Heavy Machinery came in and been like, you elitists are just ruining tag team wrestling, so us nice blue-collar boys are going to get in the ring and show you how it's done. We like having a good time. Um, And then they got in there, and they they beat the local guys and, you know, uh, challenged Daniel Bryan and Rowan, who said, oh, you're not worthy of our tag team championships. Okay, typical stuff. Nick, the question I have for you here, you're a heavy machinery dude. I am. How are you liking how are you liking their presentation on the main roster? Like the just this bit of them coming out, what they said, how they said it, and then their match. What do you think about this right now? Because I, it's entertaining, I, but it, it's entertaining as hell. Nobody can deny that. It it's awesome to see I mean, get to see uh Dozer do the uh or Otis do the uh the caterpillar. Yeah, I'm I'm all in. Um do I think they're tag team champions? I don't know yet because I haven't seen them on TV other than in women's spots. You know, coming out and get pretty lady and, you know, all this stuff. 
I, I they need to get in there and have some matches. And I the reason I got really excited uh, last weekend during the Super Showdown is because we had that moment between AOP Heavy Machinery and Viking Raiders. And yeah. I went, oh, that big could boys. be fun. Oh, yes. uh, the big boys. Get them all fighting. Yes. I, <laughs> I don't care. Here's the – it's not the problem with heavy machinery. It's a problem with Rowan and Daniel uh, Bryan. I don't buy them as a tag team. I, I don't what? think they should be champion. Okay. Do we need to have this conversation? What? Again? Seriously, we've been doing this two years. Why would Nick not like Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan together as a tag team? I don't know. Usually you like the big men. You like the big boys. Not Ooh, a AO, team. AOP and heavy machinery and Viking Raiders all staring each other down, looking all sexy and sweaty in that Saudi Arabian heat. Mm-mm-mm, that's a smorgasbord I want to see, says Nick Howell. No, it's that Rowan and Daniel Bryan are not a tag team. They, I think they're a great tag team. It's, they're, it's they're not a tag the team. little squirrely guy and this big enforcer. Nope. It's the brains and the brawn. It's, I think it's, it's awesome. It's diesel all over again. It's just oh my god! Come on, I'm serious. You know, why is that a bad thing? <laughs> it's, it's 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 like the uh, they're, not, know, they're, not a, they're not. Let me it a bunch of times too. Uh, they're a fan. Well, oh my god! Well, they haven't. Well, to they your were point, they haven't defended the SmackDown their live belts. They haven't defended their tag team championships enough to define whether or not they're a tag team. You don't like them because they're singles wrestlers that have been shoved together. Exactly. And I'm saying, okay, I'm saying. In, in the way that Rowan has been defined and Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan is very obviously the brains and the active member of this tag team, and Rowan is just there for muscle. It's not <laughs> a typical... Big man two, smash, you know? It's not their typical... Hey, he is apparently a very intelligent man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say... Kayfabe, kayfabe. All right. Uh, no, but this is the thing. is it, it, This is a different dynamic... Then the two equal, like you know, the two revival guys. Let's let's take a modern example. The two revival guys, both the same size, same you know, kind of basic physical look. If you cut their heads off, you'd have a real hard time telling them apart, other than than body hair. Um, you know, you uh, the the Usos for God's sakes are twins. Most of the time, tag teams tend to be fairly similar physically, but if you have two guys that are so physically dissimilar, like Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan, it's a whole different dynamic. And you can have some very entertaining tag team matches with this kind of dynamic. I like what they're doing here, especially because Daniel Bryan has established that with this new evil Daniel Bryan character, he can be a physical assassin. And Rowan can get in there and do big power moves. It creates some very interesting dynamics for the matches. I'm fine I, with what you just described. Daniel Bryan okay, is this evil villain. Daniel Bryan with it, as this evil villain with his sidekick, intelligent goon, uh, Eric Rowan. Not a tag team, though. That's you've got Viking Raiders, War Machine, War Machine. Uh, you've got AOP. You've got Heavy Machinery. You've got Usos. You've got uh, Revival. There are plenty of tag teams to have tag team matches. I don't need Daniel Bryan in <sighs> and Eric Rowan in here as a tag team. Period. I'm done. I don't want to. You don't do this have <laughs> enough tag teams in SmackDown in general. You, 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 you don't. I mean. Oh, Screw for crying it. out. All oh, that, all that shit's out the door now. You hypocrite. You absolute <laughs> utter hypocrite. All right. I, so getting back to heavy machinery, I think that I, I have no problem with Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. I have a problem with how they're doing heavy machinery in the main roster because it is, it is just gimmick era bad. Like just why don't you just say that they're local carpenters? Like it is, it's so goofy 
that they've they've ruined. In my opinion, they're on the path to ruining. He's not ruined. That's not hyperbolic. But they're on the path to making Dozovich boring. That's hard to do. He still is so charismatic and entertaining. But he was. I like the way in NXT that he was just kind of a little bit insane. Yeah. And now he's just weird. Yeah. Now, he's, hump, now he's just a little creeper. And I'm I not, hump a lot, and I've got weird ticks. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's it's not. Pretty lady. I do, mm. I do the caterpillar every freaking match. It's funny. I was saying that that uh, Street Profits reminded me of uh, Grandmaster Sexay and and uh, and all that, but um, uh, but uh, too cool and all that. Now I worry that heavy machinery is becoming kind of like too cool, mixed with a, a gimmick era uh, gimmick. Macho like Man, Randy Savage, and the Kool Aid Man had an illegitimate child with each other, and it outcame Otis Dozovich. It's you know I, it, that right there is enough insanity for me to describe Dozovich. I, I don't know. It's we'll see what happens again. I'm I, I've lost this, confidence in the booking of the tag teams altogether. Yeah. On both Raw just, and SmackDown. I'm not worried. Honestly, Heavy Machinery, Daniel Bryan Rowan, love it. I'm All I'm bringing up right here is I am really, really concerned with how they're presenting Heavy Machinery. It looks terrible to me. That's all I wanted to say. Before we get out of this particular segment, Rowan Shirtwatch! Oh, Rowan Shirtwatch! Rowan Shirtwatch! Alestorm. I don't, did he do Alestorm already? I Pirate feel like Metal? this might be the first one. No, we might have had one other one that I repeated. I think... I think he's done Ailstorm before. I think, I think he did a Monomarth twice. I think that was the he's first done, one we called. I think he's done a Monomarth like three times. <laughs> okay. That's like his, well, of course he has. Monomarth's like it's a stock and trade. That's right. like the, the that's like the number one Viking metal. <laughs> yes. This is pirate metal. Ailstorm. Very good. Lots of lots oh, of like man. R and C shanties. Only their metal. Yes. Uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's get to the main event. The new day is back together. Big E is officially back from injury. Hopefully this time for good. Uh, they came out, cut a nice promo. They had Ziggler, Sami Zayn, and uh, Kevin Owens come out, cut a counter promo. There was video packages. There was lots of banter. <sighs> Eventually we got a match at the top of the show, the main event. It was an entertaining match. Um, and New Day won. What a shock. So I guess I don't really have a lot to say about this. No. All of this was basically a way to celebrate New Day getting back together. Uh, to establish that Ziggler feels that he's owed another match against Kofi, um, and that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are still kind of circling around being goons for Ziggler for some reason, and that also that Kofi is still a badass despite being able to goof around with the New Day. Yeah. And again, New Day, once again, wildly entertaining, bunch of like little nearly kayfabe fourth wall breaking winking jokes. Um, you know, they're still killing on the mic. Ziggler's still kind of on his same path where he's just an inch away from being completely 100% whiny. Like that kind of vocal tone. Um, is not, there anything to say about this besides that? Is there anything besides like, cool, entertaining match, a little too much talking, uh, we're getting ready for, for stomping ground. Is there anything else we could say about this besides that, Nick, at this point? Not really. We're, we're, we're getting, we're getting <laughs> Cammy and uh, Cammy. Sam, uh, I'm just going to call him Cammy. Cammy Owens. Samuel oh. Samuel James Zane. Yeah. <laughs> just call him Cammy. Uh, we're getting Cammy 37.0 at this point. Like uh, again, we've got Ko and Sammy Zane together, and it's fine. But I, I feel like it's is this the best we can do with those two guys? Is put them together again and kind of give them something scripted to do? 
Okay. I saw a YouTube video of them like just hockey punching the crap out of each other over like 10 years of their career. I want them to feud again. Hashtag wrestling. I actually Um, thought that might be what they were going to when KO first came back as as dad bod KO. I I, I don't understand how they kept Sammy heel this long. It's kind of like how KO just kind of naturally went back to being heel. Yeah. Sammy is a natural face. Yeah. He's... He's doing his best at being a heel. He's driving everyone nuts with like his whole I'm telling the truth but doing it in an annoying way thing. But he's a natural face. And I, I worry about his prospects because it's going to be hard to come back from this unless they give him some serious time off TV. Uh, we also had a match, Sonia Deville versus Carmella. Sonia Deville had a singles match, Nick. How mm. about that? Hello. How about that? About them apples. Well, I'm you very could happy. loosely call it a singles match because it was booked that way. However, there was one Mandy, Mandy, Mandy Rose uh, outside the ring, and she played her part. So she did. Well, it was a bit more of a handicap of match, if I'm being honest. But I'd like to see more of this, where Mandy and Sonya trade off being the person in the match, and the other one runs interference, like as opposed to it always being Mandy yeah. um, and having Sonya be the goon. Sonya is, is this was not the technically the most amazing wrestling match I've ever watched. Yeah. But she's got some good physicality. She's the only like MMA trained woman they have on the main roster now. Uh, so she can go and do her thing and without them worried about her stepping on Ronda Rousey's toes. So let her. Yeah. And she's a great promo. Um, and in addition, you know, and I'm and I'm glad, honestly, here's the thing. I, I I've said opposite in the past, and I'm gonna actually go back on that. Uh, in the past, I said they, they could make a storyline out of it, but now I'm glad that they're not. And that is that Sonya Deville comes out with the rainbow flag uh, tucked into her into her pocket and then also with rainbow laces on her, on her sneakers. Um, I like that that's just there and it's not addressed. It's not pointed out. It's not made a big deal out of. It's just there. Yeah. Um, I like that. And, but I think that they need to give Sonya more time because she's definitely talented enough and put her on the same level as Mandy. I know she's not blonde. I know she's not as gorgeous as Mandy in the conventional sense. Um, but it doesn't freaking matter. She should be at the same level as Mandy, and this is a great step in that direction. Do cool. more of this. Do more of this. Yes, please. Before we, yes. before we get away from this, I want to talk about something else, and that is before this match, the two of them, um, b- before Sonia and Mandy teamed up to defeat Carmella, it's a shocker, uh, they bullied Ember Moon backstage again. It's the same thing they've been doing for a couple of weeks where Ember's just minding her own business, being a nerd, reading a book. This week she was playing her Switch, and they throw a bunch of Mandy's uh, magazine cover, uh, magazines at her. And this week they broke her Switch. Um, and Ember's response... Them well, things are expensive. That's all great, yeah. And Ember's response was just to go... And huff and puff as they walked away. Well, I mean, have you have you ever lost a game save on Zelda? It's it's maddening. If I was, uh, I understand that. I actually fully understand her nerd rage. I completely get it. I have lost my mind before when my save files are deleted, or or, or electrical surge wipes out my hard drive. I get it. And if my response, if, if someone came along and slapped my switch out, out of my hand, and I'm not a fighting person, I'm not, I'm not a physical person that lives in a world where I I fight for my my money every night like these people supposedly are, uh, if I were Ember Moon and someone came up and broke my video game machine, I'd grab their ponytails and smash their heads against a wall. Yep. But she just goes, <laughs> So that was a bit of a weird... I'm wondering what they're doing with Ember Moon 
we, we've wondered before what her gimmick is, right? She comes out, she's kind of like a Mortal Kombat werewolf thing. And we never, she's the war goddess. Oh, we can't say war. She's the mm, uh, battle goddess or whatever. She Okay. <laughs> but then why, if she's all of those things, why is she in the back reading Jekyll and Hyde and playing Nintendo? Like, yes, she's on up, up, down, down. Yes, she plays D&D on, the, on, on, on Xavier Woods channel. But why are we doubling down on this? What is the ultimate goal? That's not making her more fearsome or more uh, intimidating. It's kind of like the Nikki Cross thing where do you not understand how she's presenting herself in the ring? Why are you undercutting uh, why are you undercutting that presentation with your backstage presentation of her? What is your end goal here? Because it's not helping her get over at all by making her look like a goon when a couple of mean girls bully her. The the Mandy Rose Sonya Deville split up is palpable. Like it's coming. I, I can I can almost feel it, which probably means it'll take forever for it to get done. But hopefully they're listening and they can look, guys. Let's move on. Uh, we we have Mandy Rose is good enough on her own. Sonya Deville is good enough on her own to compete for some of these. I, the Fire and Desire tag team thing is kind of a whiff for me. But the two of them on their own, I think, are fantastic as we saw this week. So I'm I I. Let's get some more singles matches going, but we yeah. can't well, they, because we got all the wild cards coming over, and all the top stars are on both shows taking up all the TV time. So we can't have any time for these kind of developments. Yeah, they they they've been uh, stop starting this whole breakup of Mandy and Sonya for a number of times now. It yeah. reminds me of it reminds me of Bailey and Sasha last year. It's like, are they going to? Are, oh yeah, we're going to break them up, and Bailey's talking smack to Sasha. Oh, it's happening now. No, nope, we're in therapy. So, uh, we also had Apollo Cruz possibly getting a feud with Andrade, who was off this week because his mom passed away. Sorry, buddy. Our condolences. Yes. Um, so instead of having a match with Andrade, which I think was the original plan, was to have Apollo versus Andrade this week. We just had a Apollo talking about how he thought it was, uh, you know, fitting that Andrade had his comeuppance in Saudi Arabia, and Zelina came along to threaten him. Um, and then for some reason, Chad Gable was there taking notes. I don't know what the heck that was. Also, Chad Gable <laughs> cut his hair and looks weird. Um, he looks very ordinary without his long hair. I'm just going to yeah. throw that out there. Um, so we're probably going to get Andrade and Apollo next week as a way to reignite some sort of feud with maybe Finn. I don't know. Or uh, just to get Andrade a win back to give him, you know, some more momentum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But do you think now do you think that Andrade is going to still be going for the IC title or is Finn going to be going against somebody else? Finn also off TV this week, by the way. Yeah. There's a lot of them that were traveling back that I think just Although I think uh Finn got engaged as I recall to that uh oh, the, the Brazilian, Spanish, Spanish Yeah. Brazilian or Spanish? Uh I don't know. Damn it. I don't I'll have either. to fact check that one. <laughs> check us, up. chat. Yeah. Let us know. Uh, I, <laughs> it's I know that she, was, uh, she was working for Fox Deportes covering the, uh, yeah. the football game in um, the Premier League. Liver, Liverpool and Tottenham. Right, yeah. right. And uh, that, Finn, that Finn was wasted at. <laughs> that if you was haven't seen brilliant. that video, it's in, our, it's in our discussion group of Finn just being wasted and hitting on his, uh, at the time, girlfriend, now fiance, I believe. Uh, while wasted pre-gaming for the game. Outed them live on TV. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That was funny. Um, speaking of being outed live on TV, Alistair Black's calling out the entire roster to come into his room and pick a fight with him. Nick, um, do you know where the phrase jump the shark com- comes from? Do you know what the, the orig- origin of that was? Let's pretend I don't. 
Okay. Uh, it's from Happy Days, right. and it is it refers to the episode of Happy Days where the Fonz in a leather jacket on uh, on water skis is uh, competing. And he in his water skis, he goes off a jump, and for some reason, there's a shark in the water that he jumps over. Right. Um, in a lake. And in a, in a lake, yes. And it refers to the moment, the pinpointed moment in a show, or in anything, really, where it goes from being something that's good to something that is irredeemably bad. Yeah. And it will never be the same again. Um, by just a dumb decision, like an in- incomprehensibly dumb creative decision. <laughs> this was that moment this week. Yeah. This was the moment where the Alistair Black promos went from being, all right, maybe they're going somewhere with this, to... Dear God, stop. Nope. Because he turned. They actually had a, quote, door open in his room and some light shone in. So it made it even more weird that he's sitting in this room, this weird studio. It made it even weirder to think about, hey, I'm just sitting in this room with a camera. Well, he told somebody to open the door for him. So there was somebody in there. (laughs) There's a film crew in there with him. I'm sitting here with my film crew bitching that no one wants to come in and kick my ass. I don't. I'm gonna the, open the, the whole door, time. scream, scream into the hallways of an auditorium. Is he moving every week and just setting this up and moping? This is the worst. What? It, what in the hell was? Oh God! Yeah, I thought this shark. was another one of it's those selfie videos that they, he was just oh. doing in a dark, dank cave somewhere behind behind the scenes. No, there's there's film people in there with him because he told no. a PA to open the open that door. Pick a fight with me. <laughs> Just, yeah. Just no. Just stop. No. Why are you ruining Alistair Black? He can't even get his entrance yeah. right. Oh, this was this was bad. Oh. This was this was the moment where you realize that all of these promos he's been cutting are leading to it, as good as Firefly Funhouse was. This was the opposite. This is instead of us going, "Ooh, Ravelin Rabbit got turned into jelly." This is crazy. Wow, what an escalation. This was, oh dear God, they've made Alistair Black nuts, and. Such an asshole, yeah, and such a dork. Oh, whiny oh, emo was... bitch. That's what I thought when I watched it. Yep. Uh, oh, what have they done? They, what have yeah. they done to this this amazing star that they spent years building in NXT? What have they done? So hopefully they figure out what the hell they're doing with him. Maybe it's coming. I, I, here's the thing: we don't know the creative process behind this. We don't know what. Who's writing this? Who's approving this? What their end game is, or if this is something that is being worked out because they don't have anything for Alistair and they're trying to somehow play into that—that Alistair's getting frustrated that they don't have anything for him. I don't know. I'm probably spending too much time thinking about this. I'm sorry. I really don't want to talk about this anymore because that's just—it's just—it hurts. It hurts my head. Yeah, hurts my head. All right. So, Nick, we are looking forward to stomping ground. Are we? That's well. I mean. In the in the literal sense, yeah, <laughs> metaphorical sense. Sure. actually, I got you. We are we are it's, it's coming. Yeah. It's on its way, and we already know a few of the matches. We know that we're going to have uh, uh, Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns, Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler in a cage, Becky Lynch versus Lacey Evans, Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. Should I, do, do you notice anything about that? Yeah, we've seen them all before. They're all rematches from the last two pay per views. Yes. They're all rematches. Some of them have been escalated somewhat, but they're all rem- We know the outcome. Vince is We've a seen it before. Um, and it doesn't look like, I mean, it looks like we might get Finn, uh, Finn Balor and Andrade as well. Okay. I, I'd, Revival, I'd watch the Revival shit out of that. Revival and Usos. Revival and Usos might be happening. Okay. Um, 
That's fine, but they're all rematches. Why are we having rematches? Is it okay to have this many rematches, I guess, is the, is the real question. Is it okay? Can they make this an entertaining pay-per-view? Because I've already heard a lot of people complaining, oh, God, we're just getting the same thing regurgitated again. Come on, can't you get us something better? Or is it just they're, they're so worn out from the schedule of WrestleMania, Super Showdown, in a stomping ground that are just like, fine, just, just keep the feuds going. Same thing again, it's okay. You know, I don't want to rat hole this here too much. Uh, but the the speculation in my head is going towards they don't want to steer the ship story booking storyline booking wise in any one direction. They're sti- they're setting the course to get to TV this fall, to get to October. So they're uh, just going to hold pattern on everything. Uh, God, I hope not. But that might be the case. I I just. I, we have to endure three to four more months of the same matches and the same storyline and the same backstage. I'm fine with that for Firefly Funhouse, but I don't know if I can handle four more months of Aleister Black in a dark room yelling at somebody. I can't handle it. another week of it. Right. I can't handle another week of that. Yeah. So I don't know. We will see. We will see. Well, guys, that's it for the main roster this week, but we're not done. We got lots more to cover. NXT 205, New Japan, listener questions, all kinds of good stuff over in the wide world of wrestling. Well, it was another episode of NXT not at full sale this week. We had a nice big auditorium for them and started off with a tag team match. Candice LeRae and Io Shirai versus Marina Shafir and Jessamyn Duke. We had a little bit of the other Four Horsewomen of the Four Horsewomen of MMA coming into a match tonight. Uh, what did you think about how Shafir and Duke, every time I see them, I'm always like, all right, how are they doing? Are they coming along? Are they getting any better? How did you think they look tonight? I think they look fine. I think they're ready. Really? Uh, let's, let's also call out they were escorted to the ring uh, by Shayna Baszler, who had, well, some, natu- had natu- some things to natu- do with, with natu- all of this. Yes, uh, some engagement. And, and it was interesting, for, even for their Tron, they, th- they still threw the, the, the spade up there. So I'm going, hmm, foreshadowing, maybe. Hmm. What do you mean foreshadowing? They're, they're part of her goon squad. So, of course, they throw up Shayna Baszler's little spade thing. I mean, they're, they're automatically, like, force in the, for the foreseeable future, linking them together. I thought they might. Yeah. I thought Shayna might go without them at some point, mm. at least for the, for the short term. Anyway. Nah, I don't see it happening. This match uh, is fine. Candice LeRae is yeah. a lot of fun. She got a new look, new, outf- new, new gear, new Tron, new music. Uh, we got to see sort of a rebrand of her post Gargano, so I, I'm interested to see where all of this goes. Uh, it, it it was serviceable. It it did what it said on the tin. Yeah. So the thing I wanted to talk about was how Io Shirai kind of lost it at the end and just chased after Shayna Baszler into the crowd. And you know, Candice was fine. She handled her own. But uh, you know, everyone got counted out. It was basically turned into a scrum, turned into a brawl. Yeah. But Io Shirai went a little nuts. Um, I like this aggressive side of Io Shirai, but it makes me wonder if they're going to have her because we've already seen her get aggressive and kind of lose it on Shayna once. So I don't think that that's going to be something they can double down on. I wonder if it's something that they're going to feed into, if it's going to be where, you know, she gets so aggressive that she beats Shayna or if it's a heel turn or what's going on with her. Um, But I like the fact that they are pushing EO as being more aggressive than just, you know, you had Kyrie who's kind of like the cute little pirate and she could get nasty um, and, and vicious and, and aggressive. But she, at the end of the day was still like cute little happy Kyrie. Not this Oscar, level. 
Oscar was a silent killer. I like it if if they define EO as being just like the wild woman. Is she's EO really good the at thing that. I always wanted Oscar to be? That's what I keep asking myself. Do I do I like do I seem to like EO more, which I do, admittedly, than Oscar? I like EO more than Oscar at this point because wow. she's more entertaining in the ring. I understand that Oscar is a, is just an absolute technician and has the record and all of that stuff. I don't know where Oscar is right now. She's on what Instagram are, taking pictures with Kyrie Sane and and Dolph Ziggler and shit like that. But we haven't seen her have a match. We haven't seen her participate in anything. So I'm going to just chalk it up to your short attention span that you don't remember how freaking amazing Oscar is in the ring. Of course, and I entertaining do. too. But I, but I remember the thing that I would always say was I wanted Asuka to get nuts. Yell at me like a crazy woman in Japanese. I, EO is doing the things that I always wanted Asuka to do. Okay, fair. All right. And uh, that's, right. that's what I was trying to get to. Forgive me if I didn't make that clear right away. I got excited. Scared the crap out of me. I know. Me. <laughs> you, you jumped all the way to 11 on me there. So just, I did. Come back towards the light. Um, no, at the end of the day, I like what EO's doing. I like crazy EO. I, like, I want more of this passion, fire, energy, and not just scripted promos. Turn them loose. Let them have fire and let them just go nuts because hey, it will a, be a good show. Can I have a moment? Go. Let them fight. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, Hashtag of letting them fight. <laughs> Yes, sir. Uh, my favorite line from that movie. Uh, Kushida versus Drew Gulak submission match. The second that they said this, I, it was like a starving dog looking at a steak. I just started drooling everywhere. Yes, please. Give me that. You know, it was revealed on uh, the Jericho podcast with Moxley the other day that Vince is not a big fan. Uh, or maybe it was Wade Keller. I think it was the Wade Keller one where he said that Vince isn't a fan of wrestling. He always has to have a story. Work the leg. You hate his mom. Um, you know, uh, he pooped in your bag. Whatever it is. There's got to be a story in Vince's matches. He doesn't like just pure wrestling matches, um, which I think is a big blind spot for Vince because, goddamn, pure wrestling matches can be awesome. Oh. Awesome. You got two just just beast technicians get in that ring and go to town. Especially it's when you just, have Morrow and Nigel at commentary that know everything that they're doing and yes. can, can call out what the moves are that likely 80% of the audience have never seen before that these two guys are doing. Yeah, you don't have Cole calling a Michinoku driver a blue thunderbomb right. or vice versa. Right. You know, so, they, yeah. actually, they, they actually know catch-as-catch-can wrestling. They they know all of that. The moves, the holds, what it is. I just oh, That right there took it from a 9 to a 10 for me. I absolutely you know, loved this match. Yeah, same. And I, it's a proper application of catch wrestling where, you know, if you have a blood feud, the guys aren't going to come out and do catch wrestling. That was, this was something that um, was brought up about Seth and Dean. We brought this up about Seth and Dean, right? Yeah. Back when Dean was a heel and they're supposedly they hate each other, like Dean has insulted Roman and he turned on Seth and they hate each other. They want to kill each other. And they come out and get into a technical wrestling match. And we were like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Like, we know you guys can wrestle. You're supposed to hate each other. These two guys, they don't hate each other. They don't like each other very much, but they don't hate each other. But they want to prove who's the, they want to, you know, fight and see who's the best. They want to prove that they are the better technical wrestler. And that's all this match was, was two guys trying to outshine the other guy. Oh, it was good. Yeah. Oh, it was beautiful. More of this, um, please. More of this. And Kushida we got some nice sportsmanship at the end of it. You know, uh, Drew Gulak, you, yeah, Drew Gulak 
pointing him on the tapping him on the chest and yeah. going, "You, you, you're you're good, you." Yeah. And then shook his um, hand. Really good. Which is great. It's great. It's different from the from uh, Gulak over in 205 Live, which we'll, which we'll get to in a second. 205 was was popping this week. Um, so he, Gulak actually had a, quite a week. Uh, so it was a bit of a different Gulak on both, but it was nice to see that that bit of sportsmanship as well. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, also, the main event was good. Speaking of people that know what the hell they're doing in the ring, Undisputed Era. Uh, this particular week, it was Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, which continues to make me worry about Bobby Fish. I haven't seen him ever since I saw him in that sling at the end of TakeOver. Urgh. I haven't heard anything about his injury, but I haven't not heard anything. Uh, so that version of Undisputed Era versus Birch and Lorcan. And uh, if you just heard the four names I rattled off, you probably already know that they hit each other very hard. Yeah. They hit each other very, very hard. Very hard. Yes. Lots of slapping, lots of hitting, um, lots of sweating. Very, very fast moving match. Very, 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 very entertaining. And Nick, I will let you tell everyone the finish because I can't even say this guy's name. What do you mean you can't say his name? I don't want to say his name. Now I want you to say his name. I don't want to say his name. Uh, well, uh, I'll fine. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll fight. I'll you tell you. It. it was it was Jinder Riker. It was Jackson <laughs> Mahal. Came out to interfere with the end of this match. Raxon Jiker came out. To, uh, Nia Jackson he out, Riker. He just Nia Jackson Riker just came out and stared at the ring. Beat up one security guard. Just kind of stared at everybody. You, you guys did things to me. You beat me up and take over. I'm mad and I have pectoral muscles. He came and stared at him. Uh, distracted, undisputed era, cost in the match. Birch and Lorcan win. Does this? Uh, I, I'm gonna, only going to ask this because you're you're uh, you're you're a fan of his. Do you anticipate a feud going forward with Forgotten Sons and uh, either of these teams, or Undis- where do they fit in? Undisputed era, yes. yes. Really, yep. two heel two heel teams against each other, or do you think that they're they assume that people will get behind Undisputed Era in that? In that setup, I'm wondering if there's a flip that leads to a split at some point. Yeah, that's I. I who else you got? Street Profits. That's it. Yeah, I think that I think it's uh, Street Profits versus. I mean, that they've set that up versus Forgotten Sons. Maybe there'll be something down the road. I think this was just a way to get Birch and Lorcan a little bit of, of love back because they definitely yeah. seem like the odd men out in all of this. So that's just. Mm. That's what I thought about this. Uh, a couple more things from NXT. We did see that uh, Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah cut a promo on Mia Yims. Looks like that feud will go forward. And it was announced Damian Priest, the former Punishment Martinez, will be debuting next week. Uh, I don't know, Nick. What do you think? Will Damian Priest win in his debut? <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call that as a I, yes. I'm really digging these, like, uh, you know, I don't want to. Call, it's, it's just. It feels like Blade. I feel. I feel like I'm watching a trailer for Blade, whenever I see these. Uh, these things. His, his video packages. Yes. Going into the night, the vampire nightclubs, and. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for him to walk out with like samurai swords and a giant Uzi and just start as, blowing people down. As long as he doesn't sparkle, I'm okay with it. Right. Uh, right. So moving over to 205 Live, we said it was popping this week. Well, I wasn't kidding. It opened up, and we found out the newest member of 205 Live. It's Chad Gable. Chad Gable. Someone that I think you called going to 205 Live like a year ago. 
Like, dear God, let this man go somewhere else and actually do something. Well, he did. He had a match with Jack Gallagher, and it was bananas. Yeah, they tore the freaking house down. <laughs> um, supposedly, so Jack Gallagher got co- counted out after a suplex on the outside. Um, apparently, that was a botch. He was supposed to get back in the ring in time, and he didn't, so they just called the match. It was it was a long match anyway, so it was fine. Um, but Or long enough, I suppose. But it was... Yeah, I want to see more of this, and I'm glad Chad Gable's there. I, apparently, a lot of people are glad that he's there, and some people are disappointed. Um, Cedric Alexander tweeted out, oh, well, what, oh, now you bring Chad Gable to 205 Live. Oh, well, I guess thanks to the wild card rule, I can go over and be on 205 Live and bring my main event title, referring to the fact that he's won every match he's had, but he's only been on main event. Yeah. So, poor, poor Cedric Alexander. At least he's been around. We haven't seen Buddy Murphy. Um, have... Except in the no, he Buddy Murphy came out uh, in Jeddah for the for the um, the Battle Royale. That was the only time we've seen him. Oh, and, and house shows facing off against Alistair Black. Give me that. I want yeah. that. Yeah, I want that. Um, so, what are your thoughts, Chad Gable and Two Hundred Five Live? Is that are we happy with this? Like, you know, another thing that got tweeted out this week. Someone asked uh, Mike Canellis, you know, basically how are things on Two Hundred Five Live? Um, it seems like the management doesn't care about it. And he said, no, they don't care about it. But you know what? The people that work here do. And it's a great place to work because everyone goes out and gives their best. Do you think that this is a good environment for Chad Gable down there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, he wasn't doing anything up on the main roster for well over a year. Uh, he, frankly, he hasn't really had anything to do since Jason Jordan left. Let's be clear about this. He had that one little spot. What was it with Seth where he filled in for Jason Jordan? Like, he was a tag team champion, Nick, lest you forget. He was a tag team champion with uh, the glorious Bobby Roode, also notably absent from everything. Yeah, see how quickly I forgot, completely forgot about that because it's irrelevant. My point being, look, this is a great opportunity for Chad Gable. New look, new stuff. Let's, you know, let's really just take these guys and, uh, uh, or just take Chad Gable and give him a new opportunity here. I'm just excited about give this. Him. Give him everything. Yes. Give him everything. That He's man is a hard is worker and he will so deliver. Bring Cedric and Buddy back and let the three of them have a, a, a triple threat match. Yeah. He's taking a little time off from 205 Live. I say let him go. Um, they didn't really, I don't think, use him that well overall on 205 Live. And NXT UK is the perfect place for him. I think they've been using him very well over there. Uh, the Singh brothers had a match against a couple of luchadors that weren't really given anything um beat them Singh brothers are on a roll now they've been winning all their last few matches do you think that we're heading towards some sort of Singh brothers revival as if they ever had any kind of cachet to begin with but no are they trying to build the Singh brothers into something i don't think so uh it'll be interesting to see if this develops into anything more than than it is uh them just having like exhibition tag matches in the cruiserweight division Frankly, I, I think they were so good at what they were doing with Jinder Mahal. They were the best part of Jinder Mahal, frankly. But I, I, are they actually going to do something over here? Are we going to consider them for title opportunities? Are they going to come onto the main roster and be a tag team like the Colognes or something like that? Uh, are we going to do anything? If not, what are we doing? Why are they, yeah, are they there? Like, I like that. I was very telling. Are they going to come on the main roster and be a tag team like the Colognes? Yeah. Probably if they if they if they do, yes. But they have had tag teams in 205 before, so if they want to get some tag team action going, 
They need to build up a new team. That's kind of what I think they're doing with the Singh brothers is making them look at least somewhat legitimate after two years of being, you know, cannon fodder yeah. with Jinder Mahal. We also had a number one contenders match. I keep thinking it's a number one contenders match every week because they say, oh, if you win this, you get a title opportunity. And then they're like next week. No, no, no. Now it's for the title opportunity. This time it was once again, Akira Tozawa, Andrew Gulak with added in uh, Umberto Carrillo and Oni Lorcan in a four-way match. This was awesome. Just two of five was great across the board this week. This was an awesome match. Uh, Carrillo got taken out to the outside. He went off the top turnbuckle, and I, I think he might have died. He landed on the, uh, the barricade on the outside and just, I mean, face-planted on it. It was brutal. Oni Lorcan got taken out by Arya Davari, who brought out a chair. We may be seeing a, a feud going there. And uh, Tozawa and Gulak, we had a... It was a, a superplex, but then it ended up in a small package, and both guys' shoulders got counted down at once. So we ended the show with possibility of both Tozawa and Gulak being headed towards the tag team, towards the excuse me, the cruiserweight championship at the same time. So, what would you think about a three-way Gulak, Tozawa, and Nice? Hmm. I wouldn't be mad at that. Gulak, Tozawa, and Nice. Um. I don't know. I'd almost rather just see Gulak and Nice, but my where my head goes is Tazawa would at least add a fun, high flying sort of element to that. Exactly. Um, you know, otherwise we would end up with a rest hold hit hit rest hold submission kind of match like we've had already. So I, I don't know. I'm torn. I, I think I would. Uh, um, I think I would like to see the three way. I don't know if I'd like to see it for the title. I'm not. Mm. I'm not quite there yet. See, I would love to see that. I think this is a great idea. We haven't seen, we saw a four-way at WrestleMania, but this I think would be a lot more um, distilled, these three guys. So, and I think that Nice needs it. I, I don't know if he's at the place where he can really carry a match to himself. And I think the three of these guys could absolutely put on a good show. Yeah. So, yeah. that would be something I could see. Uh, but we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, and even Mike Kanellis might get involved, too. He's been apparently, you know, he's also been agitating for a title shot. And Drake Maverick looks like he might finally be able, might, might, might finally let him do it. So we will see. But we need to head over and talk to, about New Japan real quick. Yes. Because we had a bunch of fallout from Dominion. We're setting up for Kazuna Road. And after that, the G1. And there's lots to talk about mm. with all of this. There's been a lot of fallout from that. A hellacious Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito match at Dominion, which saw Ibushi almost break his freaking neck in a, a suplex spot, German suplex on the apron, where he just, it's one of the gnarliest spots you'll see in recent memory. His head yeah. just bounces off the corner of the ring apron. And the fact that he was able to continue is nuts. He got a big old black eye, too. And I was wondering how the hell he got a contusion uh, from that spot. It wasn't that spot, it was another uh, headbutt that Naito gave him and legit connected. Swole his eye up like a baseball. Um, this match is really controversial. Ibushi's apparently really bummed about it because he wanted people to um, enjoy the match, and it was a really good match. It was just so damn dangerous. And a lot of just very scary spots. A lot of people were calling for everyone to chill the hell out in New Japan, especially these guys. Um, and just, you know, like, look at Osprey. Tone it down. Work a match. Don't go out there and try to kill yourself. Yes. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I'm still coming down off the high of Dominion, especially that the, the, uh, several of the matches that we saw. If you guys hadn't heard, we did do the recap uh, back on Monday earlier this week. Definitely go check that out so you can hear all of our thoughts on it. But, yeah, I, 
the Kota Ibushi thing is very scary. I'm hearing that he lost some of his vision uh, yeah. off the back of that. Oof, that's not uh, permanent, not permanently, but yeah, no, he was either concussed or had some swelling or something messed with his vision temporarily there for a while. But I mean, that's that's not effing around scary stuff. Yep. And I yeah. just, oof. I get I get a lot of these guys want to go hard and uh, and all that, but I think there's a happy medium. I definitely would rather see my guys wrestle for a long time than give me one or two scary spots per match. Yep. You know, I mean the uh, the last. New Japan show I saw live. Was it the last one or the second to last one? I don't know. One Cow of the last Palace, New Japan. It? Yeah, the Cow Palace. I forget if it was the last one or the second to last one. Uh, you know, Hiromo broke his neck and he, we haven't seen him since. So, yeah, it's calm down, guys. Seriously, look at Osprey. That's all I got to say. Speaking of Osprey, there's a lot of guys throwing their names in the hat to be in the G1. A lot of really, really uh, nice names. Uh, the G1 is a round-robin tournament that's coming up in a little bit if you don't watch New Japan. And this year, it looks like it's going to be absolutely stacked. You've got Will Ospreay, Shingo Takagi, Juice Robinson, Lance Archer, Chris Jericho, and John Moxley all throwing their names in the ring to possibly include it, as well as the returning Kenta, a.k.a. Hideo Itami, who also wants to be in it. Now, notably, uh, one, two, three of those guys are currently junior heavyweights, and typically juniors aren't allowed in the G1. But it is curious to see that many, you know, say they want to be in it this year. Um, I would love to see a guy like Lance Archer be in it, and instead of like Bad Luck Fale, who's been in it for the last long while. And it's fine. You want to have a big guy in the G1 to kind of shake things up. But, you know, eh, Fale, I think, is it, it, we've, we've seen what we can get out of Fale in the G1. Let's let somebody else step in there, some fresh blood. Um, and you probably have all of the usual suspects with Ishii and uh, Toriyanu. Um, I'm curious if Tanahashi will do it this year just because he is he's legit. He's just held together with duct tape and dreams at this point. Um, <laughs> we'll probably have Sonata, Jay White, Evil, uh, a lot of the usual guys. So, uh, yeah. Is there anyone of those guys I mentioned, Nick, is there anyone that like you're extra, extra, extra excited about being in the G1? Like you're like 100%. He must be in the G1. Oh, uh, Moxley for sure. Uh, yeah. Will Ospreay, I hope he, has he officially declared or that they, he declared he wanted to, but they hadn't let him in yet. There is no official word. We're still waiting on hearing what the official lineup yeah. will be. They'll probably wait till the end of Kazuna Road to announce it, which is just too long. I want to know now. <laughs> I want to know. Tell me, uh, damn it. Tell me. Yeah, but, I mean, um, Osprey and Moxley right there alone, oh, yeah, uh, I yeah, can't wait. I, can't I, I might have to tape my eyelids open for three weeks straight. I can't wait for the redemption of Kenta. Let him in, man. Oh. Let him let him redeem himself. Oh, unleash him. Unleash him. Let him Speaking fight. Speaking of Kazuna, <laughs> let him fight. Uh, Kazuna Road, we are coming up. Uh, the final show for Kazuna Road is June 25th. We're going to have the uh, Rev Pro titles defended on that show. Zack Sabre Jr. versus Yoshihashi. <laughs> uh, El Fantasmo with the junior uh, heavyweight belt. Oh, sorry, the cruiserweight belt, Rev Pro belt. Uh, El Fantasmo versus Ryusuke Taguchi. So I don't think any titles are changing hands there, but should be some interesting matches. We've also got the Melbourne Southern Showdown uh, show coming up with Okada and Tanahashi versus Jay White and Fale. Um, Osprey will be defending his junior heavyweight belt against Robbie Eagles. That match alone is going to be worth watching the show. Yeah. Uh, 
Tamatanga Tangaloa versus Juice Robinson and Mikey Nichols. Mikey Nichols is going to get a freaking standing ovation when he comes out. You know it. The former member of uh, the Mighty Don't Kneel over in NXT, the Mighty. Mm. So he's finally returning home to uh, to Australia. And then also Rocky Romero versus El Fantasmo. If you watch them in the uh, the Best of Super Juniors, you know that's going to be a fantastic match as well. A few other matches as well. But those are really the notable ones. Uh, Nick, I think it's that time. Oh, what time does that be? It's listener question time, sir. <laughs> I'm going to wait for this all show. Well, guys, if uh, it's time to do some listener questions, uh, if you want to get your questions in every single week, you can do that with a very small contribution to the show for just $5 a month over at patreon.com slash BWO. You can get your questions in every single week for us to answer right here on the show like we're about to do now. Starting with Mr. Eric, what are your thoughts on the new promotion being headed up by Del Rio and Chavo Guerrero? Will it have the same impact... <laughs> as AEW. <laughs> uh, I'll see what you did um, there. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it, I, no. This is, this is the, uh, a Land of the Misfit Toys promotion. I, mean, I understand that they already are having Sexy Star in it. Like, no. This is, yeah. this is just going to be... Um, I actually... So this is interesting. I, had a, I, had, I once met Del Rio and Chavo... And at the time, Paige and one of the colognes at a bar um, in Las Vegas um, and talked to Chavo for about seven to ten minutes at the time about his involvement with Lucha Underground. And he was very passionate about it. He was very excited about being a place to showcase Latino talent um, and also just as a way to stay active and stay involved and have fun. And he and, um, and Del Rio, or at the time El Patron, were working together at the time at Lucha Underground. Um, I, th- I think Del Rio had just, I think he was still working at the time. Yeah. Um, but Ch- you know, Chavo came across as a guy who's genuinely passionate about wrestling and just wants to be involved in getting wrestling out there. And you know, so, do I believe that they have the best intentions? One hundred percent. I really believe they do. Um, I never know what's going on in Del Rio's mind. He's nuts. He's nuts. Um, but at the same time, if, if it's when it comes to Chavo, I do believe that he genuinely wants to put out a good product and wants to showcase um, good wrestling. Uh, so in that sense, I, you know, I'm curious how it's going to be, but I think just right off the bat, with the involvement of both Del Rio and Sexy Star, you're already you're it, it's cutting himself off at the legs. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's so. not going to end well. It's it's it won't make it as long as Lucha Underground did, frankly. I remember when Rey Mysterio went back, just kind of just. Uh, I think he might have still been involved in Lucha Underground or just post. He was trying to do a startup wrestling company as well, and he was asking for donations, and it just sounded shady and 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 needy as hell. It didn't seem like it was going to go anywhere, and it didn't. No. So, and I love Rey. I I I wished it would have, but um, yeah, that's. They've got a long way to go to even be in the same sentence as Impact or AEW. A yeah. l- light years. So <laughs> That's a good way to put it. All right. Thank you, Eric. Uh, next up, Andy. All successful businesses have a vision. What is WWE's? Has Vince McMahon lost sight of that? And if so, how can he expect his wrestlers and the fans to buy into a visionless company that has lost its way? 
WWE's vision is make money. And they did. Are you talking, I mean, are we talking about a creative vision? Because, no, they don't really have a creative vision. He he wants to go out there and, and you know, if we, if we want to give him the benefit of the doubt, to entertain people in what, in however that means. And, you know, there's, there's kind of the, the common fallback of saying that he is a carny at heart and he's there to get people's money by playing on their basest instincts. Um, and there's, you know, there's certainly an element of that, I think. I don't think that that's entirely unfair, unfortunately. But I also think that in terms of the vision of his company, it has been and always will be make money. It's a corporation. It is a company. They are now beholden to shareholders. Even if the McMahon family is far and away the majority of the shareholders, it still make money for everyone involved, themselves personally most of all. So beyond that, um, I think that's one reason why creative is so all over the place. And Vince is, I think, you know, it's even been reported that Vince knows the system is broken, but it's making him a lot of money. Yeah. So if the ship is, is, is driving itself right now and he doesn't seem to see any rocks in its way, he's not going to mess with it, you know? And it's, he's not sitting here going, well, I, he, he, you know, it's, he said before he wants to win an Emmy or an Oscar, but that's just he wants something. He covets that. He doesn't sit there and go, if I continue to make a good product, this will come. See, right? So from that standpoint, from that idea of he has a vision, I, don't, I truly do not believe uh, that he has a creative, artistic vision that isn't at some point, basically, whether subconsciously or not, I want to make money and be successful. Yeah. And, and I think he did. I think he's he's proven he's answered your question already. Honestly, he he just sold each property for a billion dollars each. You know. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't. I, 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 money. I, I think if that is his end game, if that is his vision to make money, mission accomplished. You know, yeah. Don't stand on an aircraft carrier with a giant flag and banner that says mission accomplished. But you know as well as I do, a guy like Vince McMahon. And again, I don't know Vince McMahon personally. I, I, I don't know if anyone knows him well enough to know this. So this is, of course, you know, this rampant speculation and take it as such. Yeah. But, you know, it's one of those things where I can, you can look at the general mean rule of people, the cliche, and say that it comes from somewhere. A guy like Vince McMahon has a hole inside him where it's never enough. It's never over. He, uh, uh, you don't restart the XFL because you think it will suddenly make money. You do it because you failed last time, yep. and you can't have that weighing on your mind. You cannot lose. You cannot give up. You can't let someone else take over your company. You have to always win. You always have to keep making more. You always have to keep growing as much as you can. You don't. You know, that's, that's the mentality of people in that position of power, in the type of power that Vince McMahon has. And the, the, the position of power he's put himself in. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Great question, Andy. That's a good one. Uh, next up, Esme Stand-In Bear. So after this week's Wild Raw SmackDown experience, do you think it is safe to say that Shane McMahon will be gunning for the SmackDown championship? If so, will it be the final nail in the coffin of WWE creative the same way David Arquette winning the WCW title was WCW. for them? Um, I, it's funny. A lot of people are drawing uh, comparisons between WCW and 
like final days WCW and current WWE, which I think is interesting because I don't think that it's you can draw a straight parallel. And I think that David Arquette and Shane McMahon are absolutely not a, a, a same parallel. No, not at all. Shane is respected. He's paid his dues. Um, I think if he were to win a championship, it wouldn't be the right decision creatively, but it would be nowhere near the kind of mind-bogglingly insane, self-defeating kind of decision it was to give David Arquette the WCW title. And no intended disrespect to David Arquette as a person because even he admits it was a terrible idea now. And David Arquette's out there busting his ass trying to earn people's respect back again because he does genuinely love wrestling and I respect that about him. Um, so just, you know, little love for David there. But he shouldn't have been champ. No. Shane, Shane, you could make not only a storyline argument, um, but you could make a convincing argument that as a performer, he could and should be champ. However, like we were saying earlier in the show, I don't trust WWE creative to get it done in a way that's going to be engaging or entertaining for the fans. In fact, I think it will be very off-putting. But I don't think it'll be any more off-putting than Jinder Mahal winning the championship, uh, which mind. was a hugely contra- controversial uh, decision. So no, I think it's I think it's closer to Jinder Mahal than than, than David Arquette. To, just to to speak straightly to uh, to this question, um, the, it will not be the final nail. It's no. not a good idea. It'll it'll definitely be one more. Um, one more bucket of water in the already sinking boat. Because I definitely don't think that WWE is uh, sailing smoothly right now. No. They're hemorrhaging viewers. Um, people, people's satisfaction with the product is at an all-time low. They had a, and it, they, Raw had really low numbers this week. It was the lowest numbers of the modern era except for Christmas and New Year's of this year. But they were also up against uh, uh, the NBA. Game so six. it's not too yep. surprising. Game, game six, for God's sake. So it's not too surprising, but at the same time, it's still terrible ratings. Yeah. So no, I don't. I don't think they should have Shane be the champ, but it's not David Arquette levels of bad. No, and I don't think they should have him be the champ either. But I love the idea of him causing someone to lose the championship, or you know, I like where he's at right now. I I, I like it and I don't like it. I, I'm tired of the getting the same thing over and over. Like I feel like it's just being recycled into different other entertainers, superstars at this point. Uh, but I, you know, I'm not that terribly mad at it. So we'll see. Thank you, Esme. Uh, next up, Ed. Who are the top three best at selling their opponents' offense in the WWE? Mine are Ricochet, Dolph, and I'm stuck between Sasha or Ember. Best top mm. three best at selling their opponents' offense in the WWE. Now, Dolph I mean, is definitely a really good one. Ricochet has gotten a lot better. At he has. He, he has. He was most. That was one of the things that he was often critiqued about uh, early on. But he's gotten way him his ability to just like fall over into a limp heap uh, after like a devastating kick or something like that. I think is mad. Ricochet also does really fun things with his body and gravity as he like sells something. You yeah. know, where like the legs will go stiff and the rest will kind of slump. Yeah. It's fun things like that. Um, I honestly, I think he, yeah, I think he called out, uh, some of the best ones right off the bat. Ricochet Dolph has always been known as being a great seller. Um, but to, to almost to his detriment where, where sometimes right. he sells so well that, 
you know, he makes his opponent look too strong and then it makes no sense that he would ever be able to come back from that kind of offense, you know, and that's, that was also the problem with Shawn Michaels where he would just sell, sell almost too well. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. I mean, I, you know, here's a funny one. And I think a lot of people, this, this might come back to bite me. I think Charlotte Flair sells like a goddamn genius. She like mostly with facial expressions and then the way that, uh, you know, the way that she gets, you know, breathing hard and body posture and even this is something she can control. This just happens. But remember how Ric Flair's hair always used to get really wild and crazy when he would, you know, get a little heated later into a match. Her hair does the same thing where she comes out looking all quaffed and beautiful and her hair just gets nuts. Yeah. But at the end of a big match and she's all sweaty and just looks like all messed up. She's got that same quality that her dad did where he just looks like crap at the end of a match, uh, naturally, but it still looks good. I mean, you know, he doesn't look like, I, I don't know how to put it better than that. Like it's just, she's, she is unintentionally looks like she's been through hell, Yeah. but she's also intentionally really good at selling as well. So I, I I'm going to throw Charlotte into that mix as well as someone who like, I've just been looking at a lot lately of going, damn, she really sells so freaking well. Um, I'm going to throw Kevin Owens in there. Uh, as as one of my yeah. favorites, um, Sammy. You know, speaking of speaking of Kevin, Sammy was selling some stuff. Really, he sold the uh, uh, a few things really well this week. But he he looked genuinely KO'd. Um, pardon the pun by that Trouble in Paradise at the end of the match at SmackDown. Um, this is main roster. Like we could go to NXT. I mean, Kyle O'Reilly is the I think the greatest seller in all of WWE. <laughs> but Kyle O'Reilly's selling is goddamn art. Yeah, Cristiano Montero so. in the uh, in the chat just said Becky sells great. Also, she can even sell a leg injury on the wrong leg. Well said, sir. Well said. <laughs> she sells things that aren't even hers. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Oh man! All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Ed, for that question. Next up, we got Will. Are all the Smarks getting meta worked by heels these days? I feel like there are not really any top heels besides Brock. And nobody likes the heels on the rise or wants to see them. But isn't that how it's been since the 80s, at least? You know, this is a really, this is a really tough, deep question here. Because we've really got to start defining about what getting worked is and what modern heels are. Uh, there's a whole discussion we could have about how to actually work people in the modern era where we all know it's scripted. Because, you know, back in the day... If most of the audience didn't know it was predetermined and someone did some of the stuff that, that they still do today, that would work the crowd and make them want to see them get beaten in the ring. And that was how it was built. Now that we know that it's a storyline, it's like a TV show, um, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to get worked at something. It's a lot harder for, for heels to genuinely piss off a crowd, right. but do it in a way that doesn't make the crowd not want to see them. You know, yeah, like like I think Corbin, oh, I Corbin's a fantastic heel. The audience genuinely hates him. Unfortunately, no one wants to see him wrestle. As a result, <laughs> Brock Lesnar, which 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 Will mentions, Brock Lesnar is a great heel because people genuinely get mad at him for legitimate reasons, not coming to shows and having the title too long. But it also makes people want him to go away. And they ran into this when they tried to, you know, they keep bringing When he came in and won Money in the Bank, people dro like people who listen to this show dropped their 
subscriptions to WWE. They were so mad at that. And I understand. They've built Brock up to be the guy that just comes in, swoops in, takes the title. That's literally his character that they've built. Is that a meta heel? Maybe. But it's also meta driving people out the door. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, And that's not the kind of heel. You want a heel that's going to make... You want like Ric Flair. You want someone who's going to make people come to watch you get your ass kicked. And no one's doing that for Brock or Corbin or any of these heels that I think are genuinely working as traditional heels. Um, but, you know, you've got guys who are entertaining heels, Adam Cole, uh, who, you know, people would, they're not there to see their, them get their asses kicked. They're there to watch them work. You know, you, you want to hear Kevin Owens cut a promo because, yes, it's a heel promo, but it's fun and entertaining. Even Daniel Bryan's heel promos, they're fun and entertaining, even if he's driving you nuts. They did you drive know, me nuts in the same. beginning, but they, uh, I'm, I, I'm on Team Daniel, Team D, D. Bryan now. Of course. Yeah. Because at first, they were working you because you were like, rrr, rrr. but at a certain point, you're like, man, that's really good. This is, you and have to just get on board at a certain point. <laughs> but that's the, but th- isn't that the problem? Is that's kind of what Will's pointing out, is that is there anyone who's a real heel anymore the way that heels used to be? You know, and I and I wonder because it was it definitely did end somewhere around the end of the eighties. I I I really haven't done enough research to say this d- definitively, but I always remember when Sergeant Slaughter uh, turned and joined the Iraqi army, right? Ugh. Oh, the heat he got! So people wanted to kill him, death threats, people trying to stab him. That was heat. Man had heat, heel heat, uh, and that was a classic way of getting a heel heat. Have him join up with the foreign power. Be a betray America, all of the classic wrestling tropes, right? Un-American traitor joining a foreign, foreign, well, all that stuff. Classic heel stuff. One of the worst WrestleMania attendances ever. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't sell. They ran everybody off. They ran everybody off. And here's the sick irony of it, though, is that because of the things that they're doing on TV on USA, uh, people are canceling their their WWE Network subscriptions which you can't even watch those things on. So you're doing a double whammy. You're losing ratings on TV and that ad revenue, and you're losing network subscribers out of it. Ah, it you, yeah. it's, one thing is a consequence of something completely unrelated. Damn it, know. Will. Why are, you ask, why are you asking good questions that make us run long in the show, Will? <sighs> yeah, it's all your Damn. fault, Will. Well, now right. Will has heel heat with me. Yeah, Will's, exactly. Will's meta-working me. <laughs> Boo that man, boo. <laughs> he's right, question, though. He, Will. He's, I, think, I think it's the same. I think it's the same, Will, uh, is in the chat right now, and he's yeah. saying that uh, there's too many people get get cheered. He's right. They do. But the problem is the ones that get booed, they're getting booed because people want them to go away. They're not, a lot of them are getting booed for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Well, he also said so. he's been watching old manias like for guys like Sheik and Volkov. So it's, yeah. it's now it all kind of makes sense. Which, which, again, is all that's foreigner heat. Yep. Yeah, can't that, that people don't like that anymore. No, just ask Rusev. Just ask gender. Uh, next up, uh, thank you very much, Will, for that question. Uh, finally, Chris. Uh, so, who is Ember Moon's partner going to be when this Mandy Sonia thing pans out into in-ring fighting? I would have guessed Asuka until the kab- kab- I'm not going to say that until uh, they disappeared. Also, our heavy machinery, the Yolo County Tag Champs. Now, I guess. Uh- Ember Moon's partner will be will be Carmella, and yes, they are. They've been wearing the belts backstage. Awesome. 
Awesome. Um, I, I I hope Ember and Carmella do not team up. I think that's terrible for both women. So do I. But if he's if he's wondering who's available and has beef with them, Carmella. If you want like the logical person she would team up with to take out the two of them, Carmella. She just got beat by both of them. Now they both have beef with them. It writes itself. Unfortunately, I prefer them to both have singles matches and overcome. But whatever. That's, yeah. I'd throw a Naomi in there too, but I think she's gone over with the Usos to to Raw, if I'm not mistaken. Is that a fair? Am I am I accurate there? Is Naomi over on Raw now? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't with the either. wild card and everything, I don't even know where people are. It's now. such good shit. I'm a genius. <laughs> Uh, well, that's our listener questions. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody. And thank you to all of our patrons who contribute to the show. I promise we will fix this janky video stream here soon, <laughs> sometime soon. But to do that, we need your help. So head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for one of those awesome reward tiers so uh, you can get access to uh, listener questions just like these folks did today. Uh, show notes, swag, all kinds of good stuff over at patreon.com slash BWO. Ian, we got a rush. We're right okay. at the end, but we got just oh, enough God. time for our other news. Lightning round. Beep, 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 All beep, right. Beep, beep, beep. Boop, boop, a doop. AEW. <laughs> AEW. Uh, they, are, they have announced that All Out is going to have a couple of big matches. We already knew that Hangman Page versus Jericho was going down, but we just found out this week what's happening with Kenny Omega and Jon Moxley. They're fighting. Oh, boy. They're going to have a match. Oh, yeah. Moxley Omega. I am a sight. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm a sight about that. Uh, Sean Spears also officially has signed with AEW. That means the perfect 10. Former Ty Dillinger is now. We, we thought he would when he showed up at the Battle Royale. Now he's officially with them. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him. Uh, let's see. Fighter Fest, which is also AEW, is going to be free on Bleacher Report Live, but you'll have to have a subscription, which is good because that means that because it's free, we can do a watch party for it next. Yeah, we're going to be doing a watch party in the Busted Wide Open discussion group, so make sure you are in there. We get thousands of listeners every week, but only a handful of you hang out in the group. Come on in and join us. There's a lot of good stuff happening in there. Yes, sir. And also, we'll be watching uh, one of the matches that was announced for Fighter Fest this week. Hangman Page versus Jimmy Havoc versus MJF versus Jungle Boy. Fatal 4-Way. Mm. Just because that sounds delicious. Yes. We also know that CM Punk... By the way, CM Punk is not going to AEW. Stop. <laughs> Just stop. Someone tweeted at him, uh, you know, will your fans be disappointed when you, sh uh, when, when you don't show up at uh, All Out? He tweeted back, yes. He's not going to... It's not happening. I don't Let think he's go. ever going to wrestle again. Let CM Punk go. Yeah, it's he, over. He, he's gone, guys. It's over. Yeah. Let it go. Uh, but Pac, however, still with AEW, according to Cody. He says that uh, the situation is ongoing. So Pac is potentially going to be with them eventually. I have a feeling he's just there to put over someone else big in Dragon Gate. Um, so don't count him out yet. So good stuff, hopefully, for next year. The Young Bucks, speaking of which, they are going to have their final indie date at House of Glory's High Intensity 8. That'll be August 9th in New York. Uh, this makes sense that they would go there to have their final indie match. They were their first tag team champions back in 2013. So mm. nice, way, nice way for them to send off their indie career. Uh, we have some more people in NXT whose names have been changed. Uh, the former ACH is now Jordan Miles. Jonah Rock, who uh, actually our bumper to this today, Nick, which was uh, Jeff Cobb. That was Jeff Cobb after having an absolute slobberknocker match with Jonah Rock. Uh, 
and he was very tired. Yes. And he said that he was <laughs> he was tired from throwing around big dudes. Jonah's a big boy, and he will now be known as Bronson Reed. Ooh, I like that. Look, looking forward to seeing him debut. He's a, he's extremely talented. Uh, Garza Jr. is now Angel Garza, uh, and we will see all these people debut soon. I would imagine. Uh, if you were wondering why Chris Jericho's Judas song was not played on your feed for Dominion, it was because New Japan got a last-minute letter from Sony of America saying that they had to pay $2,500 to play that song, and New Japan was like, we're not paying that. Uh, and apparently Chris Jericho found out about all of this after the fact, says he would have paid it had he known, but that's why Judas was not played, paid, played for this particular event. We have a feeling that'll be get fixed for next time because yeah. twenty five hundred dollars, really? Yeah, come on, that's doable. Right. Uh, if you remember Brodus Clay, aka Tyrus, aka the Funkasaurus, aka another one of Vince's projects that was eventually made to dance until the, the gimmick died. <laughs> uh, he had a TV show called UnPC, and apparently he was recently fired from it for uh, sexually harassing his co-host via text message. Um, but they're, they're giving him another show called Enough Said over on Fox. So I don't know. Apparently, that's just what you do on Fox hmm. is sexually harass people and get other shows. So, right. Uh, Killer Cross is having issues with impact. I'd love to get more into this because it's kind of more complex than what I'm going to be able to make it out to be right now. Apparently, he's not happy with his contract, thinks he should be getting paid more. He's trying to get out of it, but he's stuck in it. Uh, he's not happy that he has to go work other places, even though he's happy he's going to work other places. It's all convoluted. Basically, Killer Cross is having issues with impact right now, and we're waiting to see how things fall. Some stuff leaked about it, and he's not happy with that. He's just not very happy right now in general. So, yeah. Uh, but he's going to continue to work impact in the meantime and try and be as professional as possible, according to Killer Cross. Ric Flair. We talked about Ric Flair a lot this show today. Uh, he said his former agent was embezzling from him. Um, it was the legacy talent and entertainment uh, owner, Melinda Zanoni. And uh, mm. he said that WWE had to help him renew six trademarks that almost lapsed because the firm wouldn't renew them for him. And he also says he has his proof that Zanoni stole money. And uh, apparently he put out a video about this and it was all, all said and all good. But Zanoni went ahead and sued him anyway for defamation. So now we've got Ric Flair's in another court battle. So saying that uh, Ric Flair came out and said all this about them and that it wasn't true. So here we go. Ric Flair back in court. This time, embezzlement, defamation, fun stuff. Yep. And finally, finally at the end of the show, uh, I want to take a moment to shout out to uh, Mitsuharu Misawa. It's the 10-year anniversary of his passing after taking a, uh, a nasty German suplex in the ring. Uh, it's typical that they don't release the actual cause of death. Basically, something happened when he took that. He was taken to the hospital and passed away in the ring. He is one of the most legendary wrestlers of all time. He uh, was an a uh, All Japan wrestler, AJPW. He started pro wrestling Noah. Um, he's considered to be a hero by people like Daniel Bryan, CM Punk. Um, he's got more uh, five-star matches than anyone else alive from Dave Meltzer, including the first ever six-star match. Uh, so wow. He passed away 10 years ago today. So if you do not know uh, Mitsuhara Misawa, go look him up. There's a ton of great matches, excuse me, that you can go check out. Uh, some of them in All Japan, uh, most of them in All Japan, some of them in NOAA. But uh, it basically just search for uh, Misawa Kobashi, and you're guaranteed a good match. So, 
Well, there we go, guys. Ian, thank you very much for that quick lightning round of other news. That is our show today. Apologies for the uh, the video jankiness that's going on. I will get that fixed. A uh, little bit of gremlins as we figure out this live streaming stuff. So thank you guys for bearing with us. Hopefully that most of it was uh, was really good until it started freezing up on us there towards the end. Uh, but as always, come over and join us in Facebook. As I mentioned, we will be doing a live stream of a watch party. It's different than the messenger chat. It's We're going to stream the video of the thing to our Facebook group in a watch party and have the live chat built in there. Uh, we did a poll on it in the BWO group, and that's where you, you guys decided. We keep it democratic. So you guys decide what we do and what we don't do. But you got to be in that busted wide open discussion group to join us. So be sure and do that. Uh, also follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast here on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash busted wide open. Hit that little bell so you're notified whenever we go live or schedule new events, etc., etc. Also, welcome to everybody watching on Mixer, on Twitch, other platforms that we are out there on. We are uh, syndicating this, multi-streaming this, multicasting multi-streaming whatever the word is uh all over the place now and i think that might be introducing some of our complications with the video <laughs> today think? i'm gonna leave it at that uh, i have bugs uh, to work out uh, but we will get that stuff all fixed up in the very near term trust in me i got you covered you, you, you got this tech guy i got you it. got this I, i'm got gonna it. keep i'm just gonna sit over here keep writing the show you yeah. you got this tech man <laughs> i'll get it all figured out guys i promise <laughs> but i'm nick howell you can find me on twitter at data center dude and i am surrey and dangerous you can find me on twitter at surrey and dangerous but by god would somebody stop the damn match This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.